Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of This Is My Bourbon Podcast. I am your host, Perry. The man himself, Professor Bernie Lovers. Good to see you, Perry. How are you? Doing well, man. Thank you so much for being here. This is a fantastic little treat. My pleasure. I came all the way from heaven to be here. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Coming back down to see little old me. So well, I went to school. You know, I graduated from UK. So, oh, did you really? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a University of Kentucky Wildcat. So this <laughs> is like coming back home to me. Go Cats, man. Right. So we are going to kick off the show as we normally do with Flying Blind, where I blind our guests. I've been on doing a that board. all my career. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this first pour, Bernie doesn't know what it is. I'm sure he'll find it somewhat familiar. There's a good chance of it at the very There's least. a rose in the bottom of my glass, but I I'm ap- sure that's not what this is. Yeah, I, it is not. I apologize <laughs> for that. Could not oh, find no, no, no. <laughs> I, anything, that, that's, that's fine. Al Could, Young, here's to you. We're, to we're drinking out of your glass. I don't know if we're drinking your whiskey, but I, I doubt <laughs> it if they're going to put four roses in, in a four roses glass here. So. <laughs> These are actually one of my favorite uh, kind of everyday glasses. Yeah. Um, I use these at home. Yeah, they're not... I'm not the glass guy. I like. Sure. You know, I, sure. I got lots of different little glasses. I yeah, use. yeah. I just like them. They're a little bit um, smaller than your mm-hmm. kind of standard rocks glass. Um, they're a little bit easier to hold for me too. I seem to get a better nose off of them too mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm drinking out of them. It's good. This is nice. You know, this reminds me of um, old whiskey. Okay. This reminds me of whiskey from '60s and '70s. You know that candy, that hard candy. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, that's got you know you, you know that just people say what is old. You know a lot of people haven't tasted old whiskey, and I mean, we're lucky here in this in this in the great Commonwealth. We come along some old dusties and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. But my first impression is this reminds me of old whiskey. This is not terribly old. Oh, I'm sure it's not. No, I'm just it's saying not, this yeah. is reminiscent. <laughs> this is reminiscent of it. Which I I kind of like. Which brings too, a couple things to mind uh, of, of what this might be, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that guy either. I can't just taste. I'm not Eddie Russell. I just can't taste something and tell you what it is. I mean, <laughs> I can't really either. I, I learned that a couple weeks ago um, at the Big Blind Bourbon Taste Off in <laughs> Lexington. But this was um, this was something that I kind of happened across recently. We've had it on the show before. Um, this is a rear-age stated Elijah Craig 12-year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that explains some of the uh, the uh, hard candy <laughs> right. flavor with the age on it. Just found it in the wild, um, yeah. gosh, in November I think, and uh, it was an, it was a nice little treat to have. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, a lot of people kind of kind of boohooed over the the loss of the age statement. Sure, um, but I I don't I did. think. Well, sure. <laughs> it didn't go away though. <laughs> still, we still have age-stated twelve-year Elijah Craig. Yeah, it's just in the form of the barrel proof. Absolutely. But I, th- I think that even still, the non-age-stated small batch mm-hmm. is fantastic. Oh, I mean, really. Well, it won best small batch of the world last year. That it did. That it did. Well, and number two bourbon of the world. The C9. I always tell people, why am I bragging about number two? Because we won number one too with Henry <laughs> McKenna. <so. laughs> and the nobody cares about awards. Till you win them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, the, the C918 from last year actually was my number one of the year mm-hmm. um, for 2018. And, I mean, just had everything that I was looking for in uh, in a pour last year. So This is nice. Yeah. Is this, was this with the big red number 12? No, this was uh, stated yeah. on the back yeah. instead. So, um, um, and, you know, this is really coming through now in the second and third taste. This is really coming through of the, of the wood and the spice. Right, you know, right. Coming from before. That opens up those baking spices that are 
excuse me, kind of familiar there too with that Elijah Craig palette. That's kind of what has always pushed it over the edge for me and what's made me go, Elijah Craig's kind of what I imagined bourbon should taste like. And I mean, just, just when, I, when I think of bourbon, that's just my immediate go-to is yeah. Elijah Craig in general, whether it's the small batch or the 12-year age stated or I the, agree. the barrel proof. I agree. You know, and, um, you know, and, and that was mine growing up. Of, uh, you know, we didn't grow up with these older whiskeys back then right. when I grew up. You know, right. um, you know that the w older whiskey is a modern phenomenon, not, a, not, a, uh, not an older phenomenon. But we, we were used to younger whiskeys. Well, what are, what are some of the, the older ones that you've tasted that have kind of helped shape your, your whiskey drinking experience then? Well, my, whiskeys, ones that have stood my whiskey out. experience, my very first favorite bourbon in the world was uh, uh, Old Granddad, Bottle and Bond. So Amen. that's uh, still one of my favorites. Um, and I was on the uh, comedy road and working in Parma, Ohio, uh, Drew, Drew Carey's stomping grounds. Really? Mm-hmm. And I was up there, and uh, there was a uh, old granddad was a regional brand, kind of uh, popular up in north, in the north. Mm -hmm. Not so much here in Kentucky as it was up there. Sure. Uh, and this was in the 80s. So I had it, and it was like, whoa, what is this? And, it, and I didn't know what it was. All, <laughs> the, all I knew was it was good bourbon. So I loved it. And then, you know, now and as I look back on it, you know, I know it's that high rye recipe that I right. kind of, that was probably uh, coming on. And I don't know, at that time, it might have been some of the old national distillers uh, uh, distillation. Right, yeah, then. more than likely. Uh -huh. So, because uh, uh, I think Jim Beam took it over in the early 80s, 83 or something like that. So um, it was still, you know, four years old, so it still had to be maybe some of that. Who knows? It was great, whatever it was. Sure. <laughs> and uh, so that got me going on, because, uh, you know, my, my dad drank just about everything. My dad was a buyer for Fall City Brewing Company. And oh, so, wow. Uh, he he, he uh, was vice president of purchasing, and uh, everybody knew he drank bourbon. So uh, you don't give a guy who works at a brewery beer. Okay? <laughs> and so all the salespeople sent him uh, – bourbon uh, for Christmas right uh, I'm sure not as bribes sure. but, uh, <laughs> to, to the, so and they sent him everything I remember the I mean it was one it was a, a barrel shape kind of a, a half gallon of ancient age wow I think it was um, it was everything there was everything back then 70s and 80s you know it was old fits there was there was uh, Jim Beam there was uh, Old Crow you know all the big brands and wild turkey, all this stuff. Um, wild turkey, what, uh, 101, we called that all white meat when I was growing <laughs> up. Um, and so, um, but you never had really any old granddad in the house. And my mom, she liked bourbon too. She mixed it in uh, what she, they would call highballs, which was just uh, soda water or um, Sprite or right. whatever. And so this was a new thing to me. So when I had it, I came back home, and I was then I was telling my parents about it, and they're like, "Oh, Granddad," and I was like, "Oh yeah, we we know that brand." And blah blah blah. <laughs> but um, uh, then I went to my friend's uh, party, uh, the Hallorans, and the Mr. And Mrs. Halloran, They loved bourbon, and they loved Old Fitzgerald mm -hmm. uh, at the time. And I said, "Oh, Louise," I said, "I found." this great new bourbon called Old Granddad and uh, Bottle and Bond. <laughs> it's a Bottle and Bond because I know she liked the Bottle and Bond Old Fitzgerald. That's all they drank. She says, well, it, uh, Old Granddad's a uh, fine bourbon, but it's no, it's no Old Fitzgerald. It's no it's <laughs> <laughs> so I just love that a 70-year-old lady tells you, you know, 
<laughs> you gotta you gotta get on board with what she's saying. You know, you, you did okay, son, but uh, <laughs> you need to get on this. But that doesn't matter. And then and just uh, you know we we you drink different. Like I said, I drank a lot of uh, wild turkey and Jim Beam. Right. Uh, whatever's in comedy clubs. Comedy clubs didn't have a lot of bourbon selection back <laughs> in the '80s and '90s. Uh, so it was your wild turkey, your Maker's Mark, your Jim Beam. Sure. And then, um, and of course, Jack. Jack was always around. You right. know, I never drank Jack. Uh, nothing against Jack, but it was more of a UK Tennessee thing, really. <laughs> um, but really, never ever drank, drank Jack Daniels. But uh, Old Forester, of course, um, and that. And then, when I got into this industry, um, then and only then in 2005 did I really start looking around. And then, and it was uh, Knob Creek. Then it was uh, there. And then right. when I came over to Heaven Hill, um, it was Henry McKenna immediately. And that uh, makes sense to me because Knob Creek's nine years, was n at the time nine years old, right. 100 proof, and Henry McKenna's 10 years old and 100 proof. And so that doesn't shock me that that spoke Not to me all. when I hear it. And so that's still my favorite bourbon uh, from that we make today uh, with um, Elijah Craig coming in pretty, pretty quick, <laughs> pretty quick second there. <laughs> this is a nice treat. Thanks for sharing. Absolutely. Happy to. Yeah. How long were you uh, doing comedy for? 1985 to 2005. Okay, so solid 20 years. 20, 20 right. years, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you made the right choice by hopping over to uh, well, <laughs> the whiskey world. Needed health insurance, <laughs> so uh, you know that was uh, 45 years old and uh, and uh, didn't have health insurance. <laughs> that's a, that, it was that's a good time. Year. Well, you c I could get it, but it was 700 dollars a month. Well, sure, so, so it was sure. A little difficult, but you know the industry came to me, so that was okay. kind of interesting. Uh, so. Um, you know, 2005, nobody was drinking bourbon. So, I mean, people were, but not the way they are now. I remember when I worked at first got hired, a vice president at Jim Beam came up to me and said, uh, "Glad to have you on the team, but it's too bad you're on the whiskey team. Nobody's drinking that." <laughs> that was from a vice president. <laughs> so. <laughs> Shows you how we came, how far we've come. Since yes, then. it's been it's been a, a big journey since then mm -hmm. too. I mean, the fact that you know we're sitting in a bourbon room. By the way, nobody <laughs> in the Shapira family or at Heaven Hill told me that when I came over <laughs> to Heaven Hill. I, in Max's world and the family's world, everyone's always drank bourbon at Heaven sure, Hill. Sure, <laughs> sure. I feel like the Russells There's are the same There's a little difference way, between just you know? a, that's another difference between, uh, and I love Jim Beam. Yeah. The, the difference between a, a publicly held company with a bunch of executives or a family owned company. There, there's, a, there's, there's number one difference. Right, right. Yeah. right. What was your role at Jim Beam? Same way. as here. Okay. Uh, so I didn't start out that way. I started out as doing events and promotions in the state of Kentucky. Okay. Uh, just in little bars and restaurants, uh, not bars mostly, uh, the neighborhood joints, um, and uh, just promoting promoting the whiskeys. So yeah. uh, it was just then over the next year and a half where I wrote my own uh, tastings. I didn't I didn't really uh, want to do the tastings that the uh, trading department sent and the power you know, we sent powerpoints. I'm in a little, I'm in a little dive bar. What can't put a PowerPoint up. <laughs> Plus, I didn't want to put a PowerPoint up because it looks like you know what you're talking about, even though I didn't know what I was talking about at the time. Sure. Um, <laughs> but, um, and then I said, you know, as a comedian, you know, I like to write and I like right. to present and I like to stand in front of people talking. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm like, I, 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 they showed these videos of how they made whiskey and the fermentation and the temperatures and all this, and how many days it was set and all this stuff. I'm like, well, shit, I don't care about that. <laughs> I think most people just assumed you made it well. Sure. Tell me something I can do. So I started teaching words on labels, and that's when I started teaching words on labels, age statements, bottle and bond, things like that. So right. I, I, I latched onto that because I'm not a distiller. At the time, I was not that educated. But I'm like, I'm going to learn stuff about things that nobody talks about. 
And I'm not the first person to talk about words on labels and talk about age statements and talk about bottle and bond, but Noah and had talked about them for a long time. <laughs> so, so there you go. Well, that kind of led <laughs> to you, I mean, being now known as the, the bottle and bond guy. Yeah. You know, that, that is, I mean, aside from being the, the whiskey professor, I mean, that is your, your niche in yeah, this market yeah. too. And uh, there you I go. Know, he just showed his, uh, his Kentucky the, um, straight bottle. And you know, I remember there. I was in my, uh, I was in my condo and I was, ta- I was talking to a, a couple people and, you know, we drank and then we, they left. And I, I remember telling myself, you know, it's the last putting the last whiskey down, you know, I, you, you gotta, you gotta do something to leave to, 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 to make you uh, viable and right. to make you take you, people take you serious. I, like I said, I'm not a distiller. I was fairly new in the industry. And because a bottle and bond whiskey was my first favorite whiskey, and I told my dad, and my dad said, oh, bottle and bond, that's the good stuff. And that kind of <laughs> stuff sticks, words like that stick Absolutely. in your head. Absolutely. right? And then people, then my friends, the Howlands, they said, well, we only drink bottle and bond. And you, things like that stick with you, even though those were 30, 40 years ago when people said things like that. But I told myself, and I was, I was frustrated because I said, why don't we talk more about bottle and bond? And people said, no one drinks that anymore, and it's not a thing anymore, and nobody cares. And I said to myself, I am going to do something about that, and I am going to bring back bottle and bond. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. God bless you for doing <laughs> it, because <laughs> I don't know if I did, but uh, I had to be one of the contributing uh, factors of that. And you know, travel. then when I got the job as the ambassador and traveling all over the country, Leaving little apple seeds around and bottle right. bond seeds around did, did help, but you know, Fred Minnick says I did, so I guess I did. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> let's put a pin in um, uh, uh, some of those, uh, a couple of those topics before we um, get too far into it. Yeah. Um, first off, let's pour something else. Sure. And second, I gotta ask you, what have you been drinking recently? Oh, what have I been drinking recently has Staying been, bonded, sure. has been, you know, I, so when I, when I go on a trip and when I go into a market, uh, I drink them, whatever is in the, uh, in the bars that are, that are available. You know, we don't have a ton of products that are, uh, that we have. If you get outside of a whiskey bar, we're not in that many bars and restaurants. Sure. So, uh, it is, uh, it is something, so, uh, which, which we're changing, you know, and it's not like nobody knows who we are. It's just that we don't have the sales force that is out there selling it to bars and restaurants. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of people say, well, I don't know why you're not in whatever. I say, well, we, this is the business part <laughs> of the whiskey business. The, you know, we are in the whiskey business, not the whiskey charity. Right. But we're also uh, part of being family owned, as Heaven Hill is, is that we don't have to hit a number just to hit a number to show that our sales are higher so our stock price stays the same or goes up. Right, right. We and our owners tell me all the time, we need slow and sustainable growth. Because if you artificially hit a huge number, if you give away a bunch of whiskey just to hit a number, well, you're going to have to do that next quarter. Right. So they have to do that. We don't have to do that. And we have built this company, the the family has, on off-premise, which is liquor stores and retail Mm -hmm. package stores. We have just now in the last six years gotten, gotten more salespeople into, we still don't have really a salesperson for Kentucky, uh, wow. you know, that's, that's dedicated on premise. Sure. Um, and we also have an aged product. If we, you know, I used to work at Jim Beam. They have a thousand salespeople around the country. Heaven Hill, we have 97. 
Oh my gosh. So <laughs> there's a huge difference there. Right. So um, most uh, whiskey bars are attracted to our whiskeys because of our reputation, and we have a lot of great whiskeys. Yeah. But your mainline uh, bars and restaurants, they, they, they're they just coming on to them. They know right. Um, right. Uh, Elijah Craig now before they know Evan Williams, perhaps. Mm-hmm. If they know Evan Williams, to them it's it's kind of a well or it's uh, just a cheap whiskey, then maybe they know it, and they really don't know. And I have to open their eyes. On the, it's not just a cheap whiskey. This is a great <laughs> whiskey at a good price. And we have it. We know, and we're we're aware we have that. We have that uh, absolutely uh, perception with a lot of people. So that's why I have a job. I go out and change people's things. So what I've been drinking lately has mostly been Elijah Craig, uh, okay. Because that's been what's been in a lot of the places. When I go to a whiskey bar, I have my Henry McKenna. That's kind of my go-to. And then uh, of course Rittenhouse Rye. If I'm going to have a rye, that's going to be Rittenhouse or uh, Pikesville. So those are the things that I've been drinking lately. So what have you been drinking? Well, uh, I handed you this yeah. Evan Williams bottled and bond that has uh, kind of been a favorite of mine recently. I had it uh, actually over at my parents' house last night. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's funny. Most of what you see on the table in front of you is kind of what I gravitate towards to. Um, it's a lot of gravitate towards. Yeah. It, it really. <laughs> well, and it it's what's really. Interesting a lot of to me. Bond. Sure. Well, what's interesting to me is that, and we'll we'll talk about this in a second too, is the amount of different expressions that Heaven Hill can produce as a bottled and bond and under different labels, mm-hmm. but they still have a distinct flavor to them, a distinct profile to mm-hmm. them. How is it that Heaven Hill can actually do that? I know I'm kind of like veering off of what I've been drinking recently, but I'm, it's I'm a great question that needs to be asked more of uh, every <laughs> people, everybody who comes from a distillery because. These are the unsung heroes yeah. of every distillery. And, you know, we all have ma- – we have a new master distiller yeah. uh, right now. Connor O'Driscoll Connor. Is, our, is our new master distiller. Been around just a couple weeks now. So, obviously, he hasn't picked out these small batch and single barrels. Right. And so – or had a hand in making them yet. But uh, anyone will tell you that a master distiller's job is to change nothing. You keep the standards that the master distillers before you. So that for right. us, that would be the Parker Beam. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most, Parker really put his stamp on it, and Amen. he learned his all his stuff from uh, Earl, his daddy. And then, uh, so we're really just trying to, no matter. So Denny Potter before that, Craig before that was Trish trying to do it. Parker said, "Yeah." And you don't change that. Then after it matures, well, master distiller is somewhat involved. And that's different in every distillery. I can't speak for every distillery. Sure. But there's usually a team of people with the master distiller that puts together the tasting panels of every distillery. Mm -hmm. And then the small batch and single barrel picks that they have for them. And then that's why J.W. Dant tastes a little bit different than Evan Williams, even though they're both four-year-old, 100-proof. Uh, same recipe, right. same whiskey, basically. Right. That's why JTS Brown tastes just a little bit different, even though it's four-year-old bottle and bond, hundred proof, and from the same season. So, there are diff- we have a lot of things we can choose from. Being a large operation, we have uh, fifty-six warehouses now, uh, twenty thousand wow. to fifty-seven thousand barrels in each one. There's seven different floors, so you Incredible. have different floors you can bring things from. Right. And that, 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 so if you're small, you don't have very much to choose from. No, if you're large, right. you have a lot of things to choose from and a lot of different areas and a lot of different things. So a lot of our, our uh, whiskeys are all in uh, open rick, uh, tin wrapped uh, warehouses. 
my big thing lately is telling you about our house style because everybody has a house style. We're basically all making the same thing. Sure, that's sure. a general statement. Don't jump on me right away because <laughs> oh no no no! Look at it, it's a general statement. Okay, we're all basically making the same thing with the same recipe and the same stills and putting them in a lot of them in the same Rick houses. How is there a difference? <laughs> right? Well, it's called house style, but a lot of our major competitors in most. 100%, almost 100% of our craft distillers that are, that are competitors uh, don't, don't use open rick warehouses. They might use palletized warehouses. Mm -hmm. They might use um, a barn. They might use uh, wine racks, you know, because they can't afford sure. a $5.5 million rick house. They sure. might not have 57,000 barrels. They might have 57 barrels in their, in their, in their inventory. Right. They might have 100 or 200. So they do different things. They use different size barrels, things like that. It's all part of the house. Not, nobody's wrong. Nobody's doing it better. So don't hear that. It's house style, okay? Sure. So our house style is to use the open rick uh, uh, warehouses that has great airflow that has many different floors to choose from. And then our tasting panels, and that is uh, Chris Briney's team. And that's uh, okay. Chris, Chris, uh, Mike Sani, who's been with our company for almost 40, 40 some years. Wow. Uh, Mike's, uh, Chris has been there 20, 27. Uh, Tawny uh, on, uh, on the team. Um, uh, they're all there. And then the, we also have people, and everybody, I think most every distillery does this, you, you just bring people in. Right. And you bring them in, and whether mm -hmm. you work on the bottom line or you're rolling barrels or you're in the office, you're invited in because you have a tongue and you have a palate, and it might be pretty dang good. <laughs> and we don't want to overlook that. Sure. So then you bring them in, and you, let's say you're, let's, uh, you just mentioned the, taking the, the age statement off of Elijah Craig. So when we knew we were faced with that, we are like, okay. We're definitely going to have to, you know, we, and people say, oh, you moved to the back and you try to trick us and all that kind of stuff. And let me, let me tell you, um, I can see, we, we know we handled that wrong. Okay? Sure. We admit that. Uh, we handled that wrong. Um, I'm not really going to apologize for it uh, because, I mean, I am apologizing for it, <laughs> but <laughs> we handled it wrong. Uh, but we did, in our heart of hearts, think we thought we could keep up with the 12-year age statement. To show you how fast that product has blown up. 2012, when I started with the company, it was a 12,000 case brand. It's now a 200,000 case brand. Oh my brand. gosh. So you think you could keep up with a 12 year age statement? Absolutely. 12,000 cases, 200,000 cases. And Not they saw it happening, but they were like, are we really think in our heart of our hearts, maybe we can keep up with this. And then it was just, it just boom, it just exploded. Yeah. Um, we took, I think, I think we took an unfair amount of heat over that when, you know, Knob Creek's had to take their age statement off. 1792's take their age statement off. Basil Hayden took their age statement off. Jim Bean Black took their age statement off. Not much, right? <laughs> Not much blowback. <laughs> but boy, we did it. Boom. We're, you know, we're, we're jerks. But anyway, um, so you're going to take it off. Um, we had the panel go to get together, and then, then you do it, what's called triangle tastings. Mm -hmm. And you do two of, two of your controls. Let's say you take two of the 12-year. Sure. And they don't know what it is. They don't know it's Elijah Craig. They don't know what it is. Uh, and then one of the new small batch you're trying to put together. Mm -hmm. And then, then you do opposite. You do only one of the 12-year and two of the, two of the newer. And then your job, you're not, you're not even supposed to say, hey, is this bourbon? Is this a weeded bourbon? Or is this a bourbon rye? Or is this a rye whiskey? It's not your job. Your job sure. is to say which one's different. Right. And then, now we know, uh, so we, we weren't trying to really match a 12-year. Uh, we were trying to get some, a lot of old whiskey in there as we could, and we do. 
Um, but uh, came up with that small batch. So that's a job of putting together Parkers, putting together these um, these uh, uh, old Fitzgerald uh, uh, spring and fall releases. Mm -hmm. Even those are all the same year, same season. You still want to still want to have some really good bourbon in there, right? right? So it's all about these triangle tests. We're not the only ones that do it, but in in but we think it's the way to do it. And so I know that I kn you know because you can just look and see we've d we've done pretty good. You know, oh, with absolutely. Uh, with with no things, we, things we've come <laughs> up. And so it's the unsung heroes of Chris and Mike and Tawny and their team and our tasting panels, which could just be your next door neighbor who works on the bottling line or in sure. the warehousing, which sure. is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's really neat. Let, let's back up a step, too. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most important things we've been throwing this phrase around all night long. But we got to really break down what is bottled and bond. And you are the exact <laughs> right person to answer this question. You literally wrote the book on it. <laughs> well, I don't know if I wrote the – not, not the whole book on Bottle and Bond. I don't know if – could you write – I guess you could write it. I definitely could write sure a whole book could. on Bottle and Bond. Sure March you could. March 3rd, 1897, that's a long time ago. <laughs> so um, Bottle and Bond is a, is a uh, set of restrictions and laws that were set down on March 3rd, 1897 when it passed. Um, and it uh, it's changed over the years. Of course, you know it, it changed real. It went away basically during prohibition, and uh, it. Uh, uh, but it is now. We will talk about the modern uh, rules of, of bottle and bomb. Uh, Do you want more? No, that's, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm, good with floating. That's, well, I'm, not, I'm going out there for this too. So. Well, there you go. So we have some uh, JTS Brown uh, yes. here. It has the, uh, the, the the one of the best back labels in the, on the planet. You ever looked at the back label? The real simple one. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I, I mean, love it's it. Just, it's just just a white piece, <laughs> white piece of paper. Uh, T.W. <laughs> Samuels has the same one, right? Too. Yeah. Right. So, um, uh, but it has a lot of information on it. it does. So uh, you know that back label is very important. So a uh, bottle and bond basically gave you uh, an, an insurance of quality. What was happening in the late 1800s is a lot of people were making what they called rectified whiskey. Um, Basically taking Everclear, adding uh, colors and flavors. Uh, some of them safe, some of them unsafe. Some of you use battery acids. Some of you use uh, tobacco spit. Put them in the fermenters. Give them a little uh, flavor, that like that. Iodine. There were no laws. There was no. It was the Wild West. You could and you could sure. bottle it at any strength. It didn't have to be even 80 proof. Today, the modern law of whiskey states it must be 80 proof or higher, but there was no laws back then. So this guaranteed you a good age, a good strength. Bottle and bond also had to do with taxes and when they were paid. So uh, if you put it into bond, it was like putting it into a bank. You didn't have to pay for those taxes until you brought it out of bond. Because mm. back then you had to pay for taxes immediately. So it was much right. different. So th that's why I said it's changed over the years. We, we Now we don't have uh, uh, treasury agents that live on the distilleries like they used to. And we're taxed at a different point than we used to. So a lot of that has been taken care of, but still has it is the uh, bottle and bond is the most restricted spirits that there are uh, in the planet on the planet. So it has to be a domestic uh, distilled spirit. So we can only control what we do here in the United States. So uh, you never see something that says bottle and bond from Canada or from uh, the UK or Australia. They could pass their own laws, but then they haven't yet. So right, so, so sure, we got it now, uh, but we can only control ourselves. But it has to be made as any spirit. So that means rum can be. It means vodka can be. 
It means gin can be if it's made here. Brandy, we have the only bottle and bond grape brandy on the planet here with Sacred Bond, which I brought, which is uh, also available in Kentucky and a few other markets. Uh, Laird's Apple Brandy is one of the only other brandies that's, uh, that's bottle and bond, but they used to all be bottle and bond. Sure. Uh, a lot of them did, not all of them. Um, but spirits can be. It's not just whiskey. Then it has to come from, uh, it has to be uh, from the same class of materials from the same types of spirits. So you can't mingle spirits or classes of materials together. It has to be pure of one thing. I read that is, could be wrong. I read that you can't put a, a, a bourbon with a rye whiskey even. Okay. okay. That's how yeah. I read it. Okay? I see it's that. a different class of spirit to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Okay. So these are laws. They are to be interpreted. There's not black and white. That's why lawyers make money, right? But this is my, I'm not a lawyer, but this is my, this is my reading of it and my understanding of it. But anyway, so it has to stand on its own. That's how, how I kind of put it. Then it has to come from one distillery from one uh, distilling season. Uh, in a distilling season, we brought that to life more with the old tax stamps that used to be on every yeah. uh, bottle and bond, and then yeah. the red tax stamp used to be on the on the other ones. I see you have one over there. It looks like, um, and it lists a season. A season is spring, is January through June. But the fall season is uh, is July through de- December. So it, it's a finite number of barrels you can fill in a six month season. Mm-hmm. So that means it's a smaller run. Like here at Heaven Hill, we make Evan Williams. That's our flagship brand. That's the number two selling bourbon in the world. We got to feed that monster before we can make anything sure. else. Sure. So we've got it. You, 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 that's why you see mostly of your bottle and bonds from a large distillery. Mm-hmm. And only recently, with Wilderness Trail and New Riff, have you seen some come online. But that's how much they respect bottle and bond because Absolutely. they waited to come out. Wilderness Trail, they didn't release anything until <laughs> a bottle and bomb. So that was really cool. All the power to them. Too. But anyway, you have to ha- have enough to, to uh, feed your main line, and then you have to have enough to do your fun, your fun bottle and bonds and all that kind of good stuff. So one season. Uh, can't be 80 proof or higher like whiskey. Must be exactly 100 proof every time, which is a proof gallon, 50% alcohol of one uh, of a, a gallon of spirits, 50% alcohol. Um, so a proof gallon. Reduced by... Uh, in proof to the 100 proof uh, by pure water only. That was a huge deal in 1897. Okay. No more battery acid. Right. No more iodine. <laughs> right. So, so it, then that was a, a, a even bigger deal than it is today. Uh, it's still a big deal today because most of your whiskeys around the world are, have caramel color adding added yeah. to them and things like that. But you can't do that. Pure water only. So the barrel gives it all of its color and uh, and a lot of its flavor. And then. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's rest. Age for a minimum of four years today. There we go. So <laughs> four years. So you so you're get you're guaranteed a good age and a good strength. Now there's what four five thousand labels of American whiskey on the market. Some of them are sourced, which is fine. They could source it from us. You know, sure. You can make it, but you really only know. Can you know? I want to know who made it, who who uh, distilled it, who bottled it. Bottle and Bond brings that to life because you must put the real name of the distiller on the package. Now, we distill under and own many trade names. You can also put a trade name. What does that JTS Brown say? Uh, this is... Uh, distilled and bottled by... Uh, JTS, Brown Sun, JTS Brown's Sun Company mm-hmm. um, is who is bottled by, but it's distilled by Heaven Hill Distilleries. There you go. And uh, you have two different DSP uh, numbers Correct. on there as well. So, and this one says, this is Evan Williams' Bottle and Bomb. 
distilled and bottled by Old Evan Williams Distillery. So here, that one says Heaven Hill. This one says Evan Williams. So that's a trade name. We own the trade name JTS Brown. Okay. We can use it. We own the trade name uh, Old Evan Williams Distillery. If you look at uh, that, that uh, J.W. Dan, it probably says Heaven Hill. You look at that Heaven Hill, it definitely says Distilled by Heaven Hill. <laughs> Those are all trade names we own. Sure. So how do you clear it up? You have to put the DSP. And because there's two on here, if it's bottled at a separate plant, you must list the bottling DSP. Interesting. So you may, we may have to list both because our distillery is in downtown Louisville. That's DSP, which stands for Distilled Spirits Plant, which we are. KY, because we're in Kentucky, and one, because we're the best. <laughs> Just Cheers a little to joke, that. but uh, Cheers to that. a good number to have. <laughs> and then the bottling plant, which must be listed if it's separate. Of course, we don't have a bottling plant in downtown Louisville. It's in Barnstown. That is DSPKY31. A lot of you might know that as PREFAR. Yes, sir. Right? <laughs> so that's DSPKY31. So full disclosure, I know exactly where it's made. I know who made it. I know, uh, like my dad said, it's the good stuff because it's guaranteed all that stuff. So I say the words on labels like Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey and Bolivar, that is uh, like Boy Scouts earning badges or military men earning medals. But if it says Bottle and Bond, that's the Eagle Scout. It's right. got all those badges and more with the Bottle and Bond, and it's the Navy Seal or, or Green Beret. It has all the medals. Why wouldn't you buy? If you're going to start a bourbon collection, you should start out with every single Bottle and Bond out there today there's Absolutely. less than 30 and in any wow. given state you probably only have 12 in sure. your state in kentucky we probably have 19 or 20 because a lot of them are here but still it's less than 30 so there have been some people recently who have said too that the idea of bottled and bond mm -hmm. is outdated mm -hmm. and that it's almost distillers tell me that and 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 it's almost being used now as almost a gimmick or just a way to well, sell Well, first of all, product. it can't be a gimmick because you have to follow strict laws. Sure. So it's, that's not a gimmick. The words very small batch could be a gimmick. Right? The words very, very small batch could be a gimmick. I've seen those <laughs> on. Some of them are our labels. I was about to say, yeah. this reminds me of larceny. No, but, but. Yeah, we're, we're taking that off there, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, fair enough. You heard it here first. <laughs> the, the, uh, but the, uh, you know, there's the things, there's, there's marketing speak. There are some, you know, and those really aren't gimmicks. That's just, mm -hmm. that describes that it's not a single barrel. Sure. It's not really a gimmick. It just doesn't mean much or whatever. Right. A gimmick would be, uh, uh, what was it, JR's beer, like, or Billy beer, right? That's a gimmick, right? You come <laughs> out, you know, because, you know, or somebody's bourbon, you know, wh wh who would, you know, you know, Hank Williams bourbon. or Sure. That would be a gimmick right. kind of a thing. But, you know, Bond and Bond can't be a gimmick. It's the most restricted spirits on the planet. Absolutely. So that's not a gimmick, first of all. Second of all, um, uh, I had, a, like I said, I had a distiller tell me that. It's all good. Tell me that Bal and Bond was outdated. Said that, um, uh, you know, that was from a bygone era where treasury agents lived on the distilleries. And that hasn't happened since, like, the uh, 70s or 80s. And so why am I talking about it? Well, that's a lot of pushback. Right. right. So I, that's why I always carry these around. These are the standards identity <laughs> for distilled spirits <laughs> held in my hand here. Actual real paper. And here are the laws for whiskey, bourbon. They're little paragraphs, right? See right. right there? And they say a lot. And there's a lot there. You know, bourbon must be. Uh, whiskey produced at not exceeding 160 proof from fermented mash of not less than 51% corn. 
um, uh, respectively stored at not more than 125 proof in charred new oak containers and also includes mixtures of such whiskeys of the same type. That's bourbon. Right. No one disputes that's outdated. No. No one disputes that. And I point out here, this page is bottle and bond. So it's not just a paragraph. It is a whole page, and it is still in the same standard of identity. So why do you say that's outdated? It's not outdated. It's in the current standards of identity of the TTV. Right. It is not outdated. It is not a gimmick. It is real. Most people can't qualify for this. Sure. I mean... If you don't have bottle and bond, you're gonna you're you're not gonna talk well of it, perhaps. Right, right. Nobody else talks bad about it. You know <laughs> who's been in the business all the time. J- Jimmy Russell and Eddie Russell and Bruce don't make anything bottle and bond. I've never heard them once say one bad thing about it, Because right? they're one hundred and one, which can never be. No. Or eighty one can't be. Or, you know whatever, or whatever. But they don't talk about it because they they know they it's here. It. Here it is. Sure. But other people say, well, I don't know why you're talking about. It. Well, this is why I'm talking about. It. <laughs> And because you don't have it doesn't mean it's not viable. Right. It means you can't reach these standards or you might choose not to or you don't have enough to, to feed it. So, you know, I doubt that New Riff or Wilderness Trail thinks this is a gimmick. Absolutely not. No. I mean, the, so, it, and, and it's it's not just the fact don't. that. Sure. It, I mean, yeah. Eight different <laughs> bottle of bond products. Right? Uh, we make nine right now. Nine, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the the, soon, the fact so that they maybe, soon to be maybe more. Okay, Who knows? hey, I'm here. I for I mean, it. we have number. We have a number two inventory in the world. <laughs> so I wouldn't say we're done yet. I am totally here for it. <laughs> but JTS Brown's pretty damn good. Though. Oh, it's fantastic. I I think though that you know. I, to echo your sentiments, I mean, if it were outdated, if it weren't a viable means of producing whiskey anymore, you're right. I mean, there wouldn't be New Rift coming out with such good products, with Wilderness Trail coming out with fantastic products. You know, it's just. Well, I'd I like to take. I'd like to think that they'd seen what we've done at Heaven Hill. Yeah, there's only so many things you can do with whiskey. You can do now. You can, remember when finishes were looked down on as a gimmick? Yes. I mean, that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> and people called that a gimmick. Right. And now it's some of the most coveted whiskeys that are out there. So let's not forget that. Right? <laughs> but, you know, and that wasn't a gimmick. That was, I believe, first done by Booker, Booker No, with one of the first distiller's masterpieces. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Heaven Hill did it with Parker's, uh, with a cognac finish of Parker's. Of course, Angel's Envy made a, the whole career out of it. I mean, that's what Link, that was, I think, the genius of Lincoln Henderson was that he was like, well, what am I? I don't have a distillery. What am, how am I going to compete with Brown Foreman, Heaven Hill, Jim Beam, you know, uh, Buffalo Trace, you know, Wild Turkey? I, I'm not going to make better. I can do a finish, though. And then I can because <laughs> no one's really doing that, right? And there was some blowback on, on it, but I bet I can't with my name. I don't know. I mean, I've, I remember talking with Lincoln. I never really talked frank with him about that with him. Sure. But at one point, that was considered a gimmick. But in no way, I would never tolerate someone saying Bottle and Bond's a gimmick. So mm-hmm. that is, I think, the definitive answer there. <laughs> Bottle and Bond is still as important. It's still as viable. It's definitely not a gimmick. It's on the books. So we've and established it. We can. It might be hard to chapter. achieve. <laughs> and that might be why you want to, you know, some people would want to uh, 
or maybe who aren't uh, educated about it. Because, you know, if you're a startup, uh, if you're making one barrel a day or two barrels a day, you're, you're not gonna really going to have a bottle and bomb. But it's a, it, it's a level of credibility. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, for the brand and sure. for the distillery, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're – It doesn't guarantee it's going to be phenomenal whiskey. Well, no. But it does uh, – uh, if you pass all those qualities – you know, you're pretty much going to have to be pretty good, pretty good whiskey. <laughs> you got to at least care about what you're doing. I mean, that's just kind of what it seems like. Absolutely. I think. Mm-hmm. So you brought to the table a couple of things. One of the ones that you brought was the 11 year old Fitz, which was the spring release from Last 2018. Year. Yes. And I <laughs> brought a bottle that's not produced anymore. Um, a handle. It, it's a handle of old Fitz. I love that. Um, I love that bottle. So I figured, why don't we uh, do a little side-by-side of the two? Well, it's actually the same whiskey, and it is made. It's just older now. Well, sure. Yeah. We so just don't produce the four-year-old anymore, which is unfortunate. <laughs> I was I was upset as you all can be. I mean, you know, I was really, I was like, ugh. There we go. I have to tell people and myself, we are in the bourbon business, not the bourbon charity. Absolutely. You know, it's Absolutely. hard to give away four-year-old bottle and bond. For eight bucks, twelve bucks, fifteen bucks, twenty bucks anymore. This is the this is the renaissance of bourbon, and we have to we have to know that these. If you only have a hundred marbles in your pocket, in your bag, and you're selling them every day, and you're selling three every day, but you're only making two a day. Those last five marbles are going to cost more than that hundredth sure. marble, right? <laughs> and you're going to have to figure a way to make those marbles go further, right. and uh, and those marbles are going to get a little more expensive as the as you make them a little cooler, right? Because whatever. <laughs> so that's a very simple way to describe sure. what we got here. That old Fitzgerald that was bottled and bond was only available in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So we 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 got we get we get a lot of blowback from our you know Tennessee and and uh, Indiana and Ohio. We, how come we don't have it here? Well, we only have so much, right? So we figured a way to, re, you know, re- release it to the entire country, and of course it's not twenty bucks anymore, you know, but I think it's still fairly priced for I what th- it is. I agree. I think that that the the packaging is the bottle's thirty bucks. It, the by the way, well, sure. the stopper's eight. <laughs> so it is isn't a beautiful decanter, and uh, there yeah. is a great story. So you want to try the four year old first? Yeah, let's do it. Let's yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. Can you lift that half gallon up? There's not a whole lot left in there, Bernie, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk to about um, here. What do you want to talk about here? Uh, about the uh, the six-year bottle and bond Heaven Hill. That, Absolutely. Uh, that recently went away. Well we're, well, we're talking about what pissed people off again. Was, uh, that well, sure. One. And I mean, let's, let's <laughs> talk again about only Kentucky. Yeah. So you're talking about a handful of of, of barrels. Um, you know. I'm, I'm making up numbers that don't number. Let's say each of them was 5,000 cases. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's nothing. I mean, Jim Beam's 6 million cases. Uh, Evan Williams, 2 million cases. So you're talking about 5,000 cases. and you're talking. But you're also talking about one reason why they didn't cost and one reason why Heaven Hills brands don't cost as much as other people's. Remember, we're not family. We're family-owned and operated. We're not owned by Wall Street. If you're owned by Wall Street, you got to advertise more because you got to push that number. Boy, we need to sell more because we might have sold... Uh, you know, six, uh, $60 million worth of whiskey last month. Well, this month's a different month. you, you got to do $61 million. Oh, my God. That is a lot of pressure to be under. So you got to advertise. you got to push. you got to buy sponsorships. you gotta, you got to – you know, now, we're doing all that stuff, too, but at a much uh, more abbreviated rate than that. Sure. So if you're not spending as much as advertising, 
you can put it into the value and the price of your of your whiskeys, and that's what we do. We try to we try to strive to do that. We still probably have more value brands out there of quality whiskey than anyone else produces. Well, when when the six year went away, so many of us were going, well, what's going to be our our new daily drinker? What's going to mm-hmm. replace that value brand? And it was so funny because what did it? What did for you? Uh, T W Samuels. Well, there you go. I uh, get a handle for it in, mm-hmm. in, in Kentucky for twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. And um, still a hundred proof. Still a hundred proof. Still f- I, uh, four years. That one be, would be four years yeah. old, but it has um, a unique flavor profile. It does. Even yeah. That, that, even, even though they have Hill six, mm-hmm. you're still getting. You know, I'm sure you tried a few of them. Decide which one you're going to go with. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But it it's funny because my my mind did kind of, you know, gravitate pretty immediately towards the other Heaven Hill bottled and bond products that are out there. Maybe it's just because I associate them with the, the overall quality. Maybe it's because I, I know that they're readily available. Well you or, probably knew it was the same recipe. Well that too. So if you're gonna if you like the six, you might as well try something <laughs> in our wheelhouse, right? And there was a few other to choose from from other distilleries too. Yeah. You know, which which are great too. And pretty good values. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Turkey one oh one is up there for me. Absolutely. But for sure. Yeah. Um, you got VOB, you got uh, Old Granddad, you got Jim Beam Bottle and Bond. Exactly, now. yeah. Um, but, you know, again, with all of our open Rick warehouses, our aging and our house style, which I'd like to get into a little bit more later, is is different. Right. And that is a big dang deal. Well, let's go ahead and talk mm-hmm. about it then. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Well, if you want to talk about this. Uh, well, yeah, uh, we uh, may uh, as uh, well. So I'll do this. I just had a good taste, but it's been a while <laughs> since I had this, so thanks for the for the remembering. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, this is four-year-old Old Fitz Bottle and Bond. You know, that label hasn't changed since we bought, you know, acquired it in 1999, which probably hadn't changed since 1939 when I it came don't think back so. out. I don't think so. This was the brand that Pappy Van Winkle spent $10,000 for in 1922 during Prohibition, which lasted 12 more years. $10,000 is a lot of money to me today. <laughs> I can't imagine 1922 spending $10,000 for something you don't think you'd ever make again. Uh, no. And ever have. No. Uh, we acquired this brand in 1999 when we purchased the Bernheim facility in downtown Lowell. Right. Uh, 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 distilleries come with brands, come with inventory. That's where that 20-year-old um, uh, old Fitz, uh, John E. Fitzgerald right. came from. Uh, okay. From that purchase and some of those original barrels we had, which were actually from Stitzel Waller. From there, so uh, people don't realize that when you buy a brand, uh, barrels come with it. Sure. Um, so, but this is from uh, the, the recipe that we tweaked a little bit, and it, uh, it's different than what they were making in nineteen in the early nineties at uh, Bernheim. But this is sixty-eight percent corn, twenty uh, percent wheat, and twelve percent malted barley. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit different than what they were doing. They had dialed up the they had dialed the malted barley way down at the very, very Really? End. And, uh, you know, it's saving money. Sure. If you, if you dial the malted barley way down to 5% or something like 4% or something like that, you can just dump in a bunch of, of commercial enzymes. And, I was going to say, lot, you got to have easier. some other way to balance yeah, I mean, that yeah, out. But, you know, and there's nothing wrong with commercial enzymes. I'm not that guy. Uh, but it is cheaper than using malted barley. Absolutely. And, but in, and you're lo- what you're losing is... Um, you know, Parker used to tell me all the time that you, it adds a, a, a negative note. And uh, I, can't, I can't say that he was wrong, uh, but I can't say that he was right either because I don't have that palate. Right. Uh, talking to other distillers, too, a lot of them agree and disagree uh, 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 that it adds, that it, wh- whether it adds a negative note or not. And most of them say it doesn't add any flavor. Uh, let's just go with that. I'll, I'll, I'll never, never disagree with Parker, um, but let's just say it doesn't add anything. You are losing the sweetness from the barley. 
And yes. Parker always talked about the biscuity texture, the biscuity mouthfeel that barley gives you. Yeah. So if you're going to use commercial enzymes, you're missing you're missing out on those two things. Okay. So this is uh, aged for four years, uh, bottled in 100 proof, bottled in bond. It's amazing, amazing. Uh, mainline Old Fitzgerald. Yeah, and I think that this has really held up pretty well, too, mm-hmm. you know, just a, as time has gone gone by. I, I would certainly put it up not just against other Bottled and Bond products, but also other weeded products as well. Um, I, I think that it has... Um, Can you name all the weeded uh, bourbon wheats? <laughs> no. Not many. Let's do it. <laughs> we can do it together. Uh, the brands? The, the, th- bourbon, the, the bourbon wheats. How many, how many weeded bourbons are there? Oh. Let's oh. name them. Makers. Yeah. Larceny. Wilderness Trail. Um, Fine. You go. Help yourself. Or whatever you want. Well, Thank you, Bernie. There's always, always more. We're pointing the 11 year now. Yeah. Um, the one that everybody said it was not so good, but I've never seen one person turn it down. Uh, <laughs> I... I had no problem with the releases from last oh, year. They're all great. I, it's I funny the, how people do, though. The 14 year, though, I yeah, thought was about a, a, a release. You're not going to like all of them. You're like some of them there more than others. That's fine. There you go. Oh, okay, so so we had them. We had uh, Makers, Larceny, which is, I guess, Heaven Hill, too. Mm-hmm. Wilderness yep. Trail, Weller, Pappy. Mm-hmm. Running out. I can't think of any more. Um, Rebel Yell. Oh, Rebel Yell. Rebel Yell. Of course. David and, uh, Nicholson. David Nicholson. Yep. And that's it. And that's pretty much it. Gosh. And of those, what can you get every day? Just a handful and, and larceny and Maker's Mark and pretty uh, much. And maybe you know, Rebel Yell and all that. So And I'd still um, take Larceny over Maker's yeah, Mark. Yeah, and Larceny. So, you know, <laughs> it's uh, but Old Fitzgerald and Larceny, of course, is the small batch version yes. of Old Fitzgerald. So that's why it has John E. Fitzgerald's name on the front of it. And that's why, you know, that the story that Pappy told, whether it's true or not, was that he was a a treasury agent who held the keys of the distillery, and that's why the sh- bottle of Larceny is shaped like a shaped lock. Like a, yeah. Now, Larceny's not bottle and bomb. It is a 92 proof, uh, and it is a, a mingle of ages. So we want that. It's a national product. Usually when you find when you have a national product like that, that you try to stay away from age statements today mm-hmm. because it's hard to keep up with those age statements, as, right. as we've just talked about. So, you know, your Woodfords, you know, your Buffalo Traces, your Maker's Marks, um, uh, they t- typically uh, go for no age statements, but they go for a flavor profile. And people say, well, how many old? People say, well, how old is it? Well, yeah, it's not one age. <laughs> Here again, we go to those tasting panels and those groups that put together um, uh, those small batches. And again, I, you know, we have to ask around at everybody's disturbed. Ours, it's, it's Chris Briney's team. Just Chris and Mike and Tony and and uh, and, and and Trish uh, and others, and they put together these incredible small batches, and of course it also goes with this eleven year, which is uh, not a single barrel. It's a small, but batch, but, right. it's a, but it's a small batch of a certain year in a season, which right. cuts it down even more. Right, six month period, uh, and then uh, this is for eleven years. It's pretty crazy. Well, I think that's something that you know may may be a little bit lost on some people is that. There's nothing wrong with this. Oh no, absolutely not. I think that, you know, <laughs> I, 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 when I do tastings like this, I like doing the the younger one first because the older one tends to kind of fill in the gaps, mm. or scotch and the creaminess mm-hmm. of this. It completes everything that, while the four year was really good, this just seems to complete it. Mm-hmm. And what just has seven more years? 
well, uh, yeah, vanilla, honey, and caramel, and all those, you know, <laughs> marzipans and, you know, whatever else you want to make up and talk about. Talk about uh, whatever. What's marzipan taste like? I don't even know. Uh, almond paste, I've heard. <laughs> the, it's the stuff that you decorate cakes, cakes with. I might have asked Fred Minnick that re- recently, <laughs> and I can't remember for sure. But um, mm. I, I think that's something, though, that is kind of lost on people is that f- the four years is the minimum. For a bottle and bond. For a bottle and bond. Mm-hmm. But to achieve that flavor profile, there could be older stock that's going into it. Uh, probably not. Uh, but Okay. But uh, for a bottle and bond, it's got to be from one six-month season. Sure. So you can't really put anything too much older in it. There we go. So there another go. reason why the six-year-old Heaven Hill went away and why the six-year-old Green Label 90, which you have up there, is still here. Yes. And I get asked that all the time. Who you still have the six-year-old 90? <laughs> well... <laughs> Okay, and um, let's think back six years ago. Yeah, when I started with the company, uh, we put in new fermenters in our Bernheim facility. We put in four new fermenters. We had to shut the plant down. There's certain things you can add, and you don't have to shut the plant down. And there's certain things you gotta do it. So we had we had to shut the plant down for, for several months. So we weren't making anything for a few months. That's 970 70 barrels a day. We didn't make whiskey. For many months, okay, several months. So we get back online. We have a three-month hole in our inventory that has now traveled with us through one year, two year, three year, four year, five year. Right. And the first real age-stated expression that we had to face was the six-year bottle and bond. Sure. So we only had three months of barrels to choose from. And we were already low on all those years before of one year, two year, three year, four year, five year. And our black label extra age happens to be a five year product. It doesn't have an age statement on it, but it is five years. Did not know that. So uh, we had to use a lot of those barrels from that season of that six year that took away from that. So we had to go. That's why the six year bottle and bond went away and the six year 90 is still here because there is a hole in that in that. And because a six year 90 can be any six year, doesn't have to be from a sp- specific season. So it's hard to put in an ad, okay, and or uh, yeah. to, to articulate <laughs> sure. to people, but you're hearing it here, okay? There's the real reason why. Well, and, and a lot of people <laughs> said that it, you know, the six year was going away because you guys were trying to capitalize on maybe an older bottle to buy oh, product. Trust me, we are. <laughs> Okay. And we're not going to lie about that. Yeah. Again, it's the bourbon business, not the bourbon charity. So the eight-year national bottled and bond Heaven, here, Heaven Hill. Is there going to be an eight-year? That's what I've heard. Mm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it will, uh, oh, uh, if you're playing dumb, I, you're doing the really Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I haven't heard it's going to be in eight years. Um, uh, uh, I don't know what it's going to be. Sure. Uh, we're st- I think we're still talking about it. Yeah. It all depends on barrel inventory and... Uh, we try, I know y'all don't believe it, but we try not to have so many allocated products. I believe it. Because we're all it. about, I mean, we've seen we've seen that that can blow up in your face uh, sure. firsthand. And, and, and for a couple other companies, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard thing. They're not trying to make it difficult either. I mean, if they have it, I mean, that's all they got. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, you know, the price actually has to go up if you don't have much of it. So, um, trust me, when and if it does ever come out, it will probably be not as expensive as other expressions of other people's stuff, and um, and hopefully not as um, allocated. 
but you know, if it comes out, we know it's going to be like if if it if and when it comes out, it'll be like piranha at first. Oh, absolutely. But with us, you 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 do know it will be coming out all the time, and it would probably be a national offering, not just for one state. Great. Which also has to have its own bottle. Bottles can cost bottle molds. And creating a bottle can be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Sure. People don't realize that, too. That's part of the bourbon business, not the bourbon charity. A lot of people do like the packages. This old Fitzgerald package Again, beautiful. is $30. Mm-hmm. That was a $110 bottle, yeah. uh, which is pretty much $10 per year, right? Mm-hmm. The ninety, the, the nine years, 90. So I guess we've kind of landed on 10 years, $10 a year. Nothing wrong pretty with that. Pretty damn cool. And 30 of that is the, is the decanter. Yeah. Cool history in this decanter. Um, old whiskeys back in the day, people weren't buying. Right. So this is a modern phenomenon. Now this is this is my kind of conclusion, and this is my kind of view on the history. But I was there. I lived through it. And uh, even though I wasn't in the business, I can look back through these eyes and and see. But I also worked with a lot of these people and in the industry, and listened and heard and learned. So in the seventies, sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties. No one wanted old whiskey. My dad, who lived to be 94, uh, and drank a quart of bourbon a day. He drank Heaven Hill six year 90, by the way. Um, <laughs> what a, he what said, a man. <laughs> he, uh, he said, uh, I asked, I told him, I said, Dad, I got out of college. I got out of the UK. I know everything, right? You know, I go, you know, exactly. And I'm, and I'm on the road. I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a worldly person, right? I'm going on the road doing comedy. I come back and I'm telling my dad he's doing it wrong, right? So I say, Dad. Why don't you drink some of this new stuff coming out? These new small batches and these new things. Like he was like, "What?" Right? I said, "Well, uh, Knob Creek and Elijah Craig." Right? And he looked at me like I was crazy because, son, I don't trust a bourbon over six years old. <laughs> he goes, "I drank that Heaven Hill six year ninety, wow. and that is fine for me." And I'm like, "What do you mean trust?" He goes, "If it's over six years old." That's just the stuff they can't sell. You know? <laughs> now, he didn't say the word stuff. He used another word to start sure. with the S. But, and think about it. It's true. Bourbon was depressed in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And as it sat there and didn't sell, it got older. And the consumer had the same mindset as my father. So, interesting. no one wanted to buy. Yeah. Several people tried. You know, old Fitzgerald, they had the 15 years, they had this, they had that, but that's a very small segment of the market that was buying that. Sure. And then most of that stuff they sent over to Japan, right? mm-hmm. just like that, the, this bourbon I have here. Look at the back label of that, of that virgin bourbon that I brought over oh. here. Look at that back label. Okay. So that's where it went. It went to Japan. That's Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> so they wanted that. old and strong. But the consumer didn't want old and strong. Booker's changed the world when it came out with 122 to 128 proof. Because people didn't want strong, right? They wanted they wanted 80, 86, 90, and bottle and bond. They didn't want anything over that. So what would you do, Perry, if you had an 11-year-old or 15-year-old, if you had tons of that whiskey left and you needed to sell it because it's it's costing you money to keep it in the in the barrels every day. What would you do with it, other than selling it to Japan, which they only take so much? Sell it cheap. You could sell it cheap. Yes, you could, but still not going to sell. Sure. So what are you going to do to make it to spruce it up? Ugh. You're going to put it into a collectible decanter. Okay. Well, there you go. 
So and that's why people bean bottles people fawn over it. Now these too. types of decanters okay. that you could reuse and put whiskey in and pour. So this uh, this is how you sold it. Even when Blanton's came out in 1984, it still used a collectible decanter, and it's still a collectible decanter today. Right. It has a unique shape. It has the the, the uh, bottles tops that spell out Blanton's. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so when you look at that and you see like, and they tried to hide the age on those bean bottles and IW Harper bottles, and but especially like bean bottles and Heaven Hill bottles and different ones, it used to say the age in months. And it would say this whiskey is 120 months okay. old. Okay. Okay. Because they didn't want you to know it was 10 years old. That explains it. And they know that in Kentucky, we can't do math. Cause I got, <laughs> it might be eight years, might be nine years. Right? Now some of this is my conclusions and that kind of stuff, but still, Look back and look at that history. Now some of the most coveted and collectible whiskeys you can get are those old Old Crow chess pieces. Right. They're those old Jim Beam bottles. It has 8, 10, 12, 15-year-old whiskey in them, and you can get them in an antique store, and you're buying the decanter, not the whiskey inside of it. And right. that's what they care. When I worked at Jim Beam, Fred goes, we just put all our old whiskey because anything older than 9 years old, Booker said was too old. So they put it into a decanter. Anything that was over a certain age, you put it into a decanter and you put months on it. There you go. And people might buy it because it's shaped like a Corvette. And they're not <laughs> going to buy it because it's 12-year-old whiskey. Same thing with this. This is a 1956 decanter. And it's beautiful. It is. Absolutely. This old Fitzgerald decanter. And, you know, uh, today we know that people want older whiskeys. So we put the age on there right. in, in years and all that kind of stuff. It's a different world now. This is a very new, modern trend. Yeah. I mean, I have a I have a bottle from 1978 of Jim Beam Black that says 101 months on it. And there you go. You go. How old's that? That's eight years, five That's months. Eight. Is it eight years? Okay. <laughs> I am no good with math, so thank you for that. I only know that 100 months is eight years, four months, because a friend of mine, he's from Indiana, because I told that story, and he saw the 100 months, and he goes, he goes, that's eight years, four months, and I'm a Hoosier, and I can tell you how old that is. <laughs> That's the only reason I know it's eight years, five months. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, I I gotta say that was a really interesting little comparison that we did back and forth, isn't it? There, um, since you brought it up, I figured it's not bottled and pond, but we tried this uh, this virgin bourbon. Oh yeah, this fifteen is a, year, hundred one proof. You can't get this anywhere, so don't ask about it. I mean, I, around it, we're not gonna come out with it. This is just something I have from our international market. I'm lucky with our company; I get to go uh, internationally some. And I snuck a bottle from our international um, uh, warehouse. Uh, <laughs> we don't sell this anymore over there, so this is one of the few bottles left in the world. I understand Japan there's a pretty good amount of it over there, but um, but uh, it's it's uh, whatever. But I wanted to share this with you. So thank uh, you so much so for bringing it. That's Fifteen incredible. years old, hundred one proof, and let me tell you, something happens when our whiskey is around fifteen years. You really don't see us coming out with many fifteen. We saw our William Heavenhill has a fourteen and sixteen. But let me tell you, this is unique. This is something. I'm not going to tell you anything more than that. It's just unique. I, I feel like I need to let you pour this. Oh, like you, no, uh, you can't. Uh, pour whatever you want. This is, uh, uh, you know, um, Parker mm -hmm. and uh, Fred, everybody's taught me, you open a bottle, you finish it. You know, don't worry. If it's gone, it's a great memory. So don't ever ration your whiskeys too much. It's crazy, <laughs> you know. There'll be another cool bottle. This Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. So I never... You come over to my house, you can have whatever you want. You know what people do, whatever. You pour it. Hey, if you kill it, we kill it. What's, who cares? You know, there's going to be more. There's more of everything, right? So I wrote war these days. 
There's enough love. There's enough gas. There's enough food. There's enough everything we can all share. We can all share. Whiskey should be shared. Now I'm 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 guessing that Meadow Lawn Distilling Company doesn't exactly exist. <laughs> Uh, is that is that what it says on there? That's what it says okay. on the front. Okay, so uh, you know, you know, <laughs> let me tell you a little history of Heaven Hill and uh, the genius of what uh, Max Shapiro and his and his father Ed did. Yes. So, so talk about Heaven Hill here. We started uh, December thirteenth, nineteen thirty-five. They made barrel cereal number one. They built Old Heaven Hill Springs Distillery, which is being recreated at our new visitor center. That's just being uh, 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 revamped. In the, the Bards, in Bardstown at our Bourbon Heritage Center, it's going to actually have an exact replica. Well, it won't be exact because we won't be making whiskey in there. But from the sure. outside, it'll be the exact replica of the old Heaven Hill Springs story because we bought 200 acres of William Heaven Hill, all one word. And we're now called Heaven Hill because when he sent away for the, the license, the distillery license, uh, somebody in Frankfurt put a space between Heaven and Hill. <laughs> and uh, Max tells me the family was called because, you know, they invested $17,500. I said, well, that's just a lot of money. Um, we need to have it right. They got it. They said, we change it, but it's going to be a $25 refiling fee. And they said, we're okay with this for a while. Right? <laughs> because they knew they were going to make bottle and bond whiskey. It was going to take four years to age. So... Over the four years, they fell in love with the name. It sounded like a place. It sound, it sound, Heaven Hill sounds like a heavenly place. So they were fine with it. So they went with it. That's, that's that first whiskey we came out, uh, the bourbon we came out with was that gold label, Old Heaven Hill, um, Bottle and Bond, which is what um, um, Lieutenant Dan is drinking all through uh, Forrest Gump. Well, we, we'll have a little bit of this here <laughs> in a little bit as well because um, this was another kind of, Surprise find that I came across, but we'll we'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah. In a second. So, what'd you think of it? You took a little sip of that uh, Virgin Bourbon, and Virgin. So, Virgin Bourbon is a is a brand that, that uh, the family acquired over the years. So, I'll tell you a little bit about that history. Yeah. So, I'll tell you, we started December thirteenth, thirteen, thirty five, and that's the first brand we came out with, Old Heaven Hill, and everything we made was Heaven Hill. Nothing right. was different than Heaven Hill. Right. Okay. Um, we had Old Bourbon. We had Old Bourbon Falls. Bourbon Falls, but uh, which was a straight whiskey, was only two years old. But Heaven Hill became the the, the flagship brand of the company, and was uh, until uh, the 1950s and 60s and 70s and 80s, uh, when other things happened. I'll catch up with that story. This is unique. This, this is, is not like any bourbon you've ever tasted. Absolutely not. <laughs> there is a almost kind of like a a, a minty note on it too that i don't think i've ever noticed in a heaven hill product i don't think before. it's a little minty i think it's eucalyptus <laughs> spearmint any mint okay not a mint note then a mint it smack. is a mint bomb <laughs> it it's is really amazing fantastic. i mean you might even if i told you this was a rum you might oh, think I, it was I, I think i would probably mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, I wouldn't be fooled by that it's so dark Oh, 15 Dude. years old, 101 oh, well, sure. proof. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean it, it, that's one of the things that I just love about. And it's, it, it's so romantic in, in nature. And it goes but and goes and goes. It does. And you're getting yeah. in the back of my palate on the right-hand side, I'm getting this like chocolatey thing going on. But on the left side, I'm getting some, <laughs> some like fruit, though. And oh. No, I'm totally on, on board with that. But, man, I... Sometimes bourbon leaves you speechless, and uh, this is well, one cheers, of those. Brother. Well, cheers, brother. Well, nice to share this with you. I thought you'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. Also, I wanted really to show you about, uh, uh, the, tell you this story. So, 
Mm, gosh, mint bomb. So the uh, <laughs> um, so you have this dynamic of the Shapira family, and they are five brothers who own uh, junior department stores in different little cities like Fairfield, Kentucky, and Barstown, Kentucky, and they um, they don't know anything about bourbon. Uh, they right. joked that they didn't know a barrel from a box. Um, <laughs> it was uh, Ed, who is uh, Max, our president, our current president's father, who was elected because he lived in Barstown, which is even now considered the bourbon capital of the world. But especially back then, it really was uh, even more so with, with, I mean, it still is today. But there were more distilleries there than there are, are today. But still, it is, it is by far and away always the bourbon capital of the world. Uh so he, he, it's where he lived, so he was elected to be the, run the distillery. So um, they did. Back then, uh, everybody sold barrel futures, and that's how you sold whiskey. So you went to your, because this, this thing called distributors were new, okay? Uh, sure. Because of prohibition, after, during, after prohibition was, they set up this three-tiered system. So distilleries can't sell to bars and restaurants and liquor stores. You have to sell to a distributor, and then they sell to bars and right, restaurants and liquor right. stores. So it's, we're, we're too removed. Some people say, oh, we don't get our allocation. Hey, we don't own it now. <laughs> our distributor owns it now. So, you know, we can work with them, but it's ultimately their whiskey. It's not our whiskey anymore. And so that's the way it works is it's their whiskey. Uh, of course, it has to be meat on the bone for everybody. You know, it's got to work for everybody or works for nobody. Yeah. It's, it's hard, hard. So uh, our company and Pappy Van Winkle, Colonel Jim Beam, um, uh, the Samuels family, they all sold barrel futures. If you had a good enough reputation to where the, your distributor, who was new, but, you know, you might have known them or had to think. But if, you, if there was a thought that you might not be in business four years from now, you're not going to buy barrel futures from you because sure. I'm buying whiskey from you X amount of years in the future and usually it was four years in the future or five years or six years in the future because I'm buying barrels this many years in the future. Therefore, the distillery gets the money today. Okay. Mm -hmm. and then, Allowing them to continue to operate. And then, and then we make money today. Right. But you don't get that whiskey till the contract ends. That's uh, wild. Yeah. So that is something that you, I don't think could exist today. It yeah. doesn't sound like. Well, it does. <laughs> Only with Heaven Hill. Amazingly so. Only with Heaven Hill. Amazingly Because we're so. still family-owned. So because of that relationship, though, you have to have a pretty strong relationship and know and really trust that that distillery is going to be there. So put a little pin in that, okay? So um, we also... Uh, so these distributors seemed to like our family and our company, and they liked the way that they worked. They liked uh, the low mar the margins that they made were not as low as the other ones. They they were making good margins each time they sold it, and so they encouraged our owners to get into other other spirits and make other spirits, and we did in the seventies, but. In the 60s is when, and, and the 70s is when a lot of people who only made American whiskey started going out of business. Mm. Because in the 60s, you had the one-two punch that put us down. We never really got all the way back after Prohibition. World War II came around, you know, things were because we had to make high-proof alcohol for the war effort and things like that. The brands didn't get on the shelves as much as they did. It's still, it was hard. It was a hard time. Um, 
Then you had vodka come out mm-hmm. with the with the Moscow Mule and Smirnoff vodka, and then you had margarita with tequila. So there wasn't vodka or tequila to say uh, very much in the United States before uh, in the in, until the 1960s and 70s. That was the one-two punch that really put us on the ropes, and as Max Shapiro said, really should have put the entire American whiskey uh, category send us to the a great liquor store in the sky. Mm. <laughs> um, it was at that point that Ed Shapira uh, started buying up brands. So as brands went out of business, he bought them. Right. Because right. remember I told you, brands come with barrels. With barrels, right. With inventory. That's power, right? So when JTS Brown goes out of business and J.W. Dant goes out of business and Virgin Bourbon, which means every barrel's a virgin bourbon. It's a brand new charred barrel. So every barrel's a virgin bourbon. So that's where that comes from. Virgin bourbon. Uh, uh, Mellow Corn, the uh, the Medley Distillery mm-hmm. goes out in Owensboro goes out of business. We we acquire a few labels from them. Uh, Rittenhouse Rye goes out of business. Pikesville Rye goes out of business. Right, we are the acquirers. Right, because it's a small family business, and they still had their department stores. They had always the financial wherewithal to weather the storm a little right. bit. Right, right, and they became the acquirers of brands. <laughs> if this you is mine. This if is mine. you yeah. buy a brand like JTS Brown. And you don't mess it up. You're going to sell, let's say it sells 25,000 cases. Sure. Okay? It was a bigger brand than that probably because uh, that was Paul Newman's uh, brand you know, that he drank in the Hustler. Let's say it's 100,000 cases. Okay. If you don't <laughs> mess it up, you're going to sell 100,000 cases next year. Right. And it's a brand you really don't advertise. Mm-hmm. It has a brand following. It has a popular following. Uh, T.W. Samuels, same way. Uh, J.W. Uh, J. Dant. If you just don't mess them up then you're going to make that many. And you can just put it in whatever bottle, right? Sure. So they're in just generic bottles that we have. They don't mm-hmm. have their own unique bottle that costs tens of thousands of dollars to make and design that kind of stuff. It's just in a tall round or in a square, right? Well, yeah, and, and I mean, it's not like, you know, the, the labels themselves have changed too much either. Since. We never and, change them because right. when you change the label, it costs money. Exactly. And Ed was like, let's just keep it. I mean, if you change the label, it's going to be harder to find. So all those labels, and right now people want historic labels, and boy, those are historic labels. But anyway, I'm just, this is a fascinating part of history that people don't realize. Yeah. That's why we have some redundant brands that have four-year-old Hunter Proof in them because they're just regional brands. So when, when those brands were acquired, though, and, and it became apparent to it, it, whoever, whoever was working at Heaven Hill at that time, um, the Shapiros, the Beams... But it wasn't a lot because it's Heaven Hill. It was Ed. Well, sure. Okay. Right. <laughs> His son was working. Max was working on Wall Street. Ed was pretty much the guy. The, the, the point I'm trying to make, though, is, you know, were they trying these these barrels that came with the brand and saying we wanted to keep the consistent? Now, that would have been Parker's and Earl's job. Okay. So that would have been the master distiller's job back then. Right. Right. To, to uh, you know, try to match because they knew that once they started making it, they would it would taste a little bit different. That's where you start marrying some barrels together of what you make and what used to be made, and then you you there's a slow transition you do between uh, a, a true product. You don't want it the day you know we're out of those people's barrels mm-hmm. today, and it's going to be Heaven Hills barrels tomorrow. Yeah, you want to start weaning them, you know, so where you start mingling right. some of your exactly. barrels with those those uh, JTS Brown barrels mm-hmm. from Heaven Hill barrels and put it together so that over time now. A lot of customers, some people can have a heightened sense of flavor. 
And then you go, changed immediately. I know it's changed. You're going to have that. But they did it as they did it, and they, they, uh, they, they, it, it, it worked. But it, but it was a point that they made, though, to taste those old barrels and, and make sure that's that all what Parker, was That's out. all Parker and all those guys. That's yeah. Jimmy, all those people, Booker Note, that's all they live for, right, yeah. is that kind of stuff. So, and this was very commonplace. You would add age statements and take age statements off daily back then. Yeah. No, there was no Facebook, right? <laughs> right? It was only because of social media that people started paying attention. Of course, that's a good thing. It helps build brands and that kind of stuff. You know, I joke that when uh, if if a rickhouse creels, creels means to fall in on itself. Okay. If a rickhouse creels before Facebook, did it make a sound? Yeah. Because in the year 2000, there was a creeling that happened at Wild Turkey. Right. But nobody knows that. But everybody knows that Barton, right, at 1792, there was a Rick house that Rick fell down last year. I even saw it on an adult swim when I had a commercial. <laughs> said 9,000 barrels just fell at a distillery in Kentucky. This is on adult swim. That's so wild. It's wild. So, but yes, and I used to talk about it. I used to say if we use the plum bobs because if you get too much weight on one side, a building will creel. They said, what's creel? I said, when it falls in on itself. It says, has it ever happened? I said, there's a word for it. Okay. So... <laughs> So, and I got to drive my point home. Not that I wanted a creeling to happen, but it's not going to be the last. It wasn't the first. Sure. And all that stuff. But these is a fascinating part of history that people don't talk about is these little regional brands. In Virgin Bourbon, we sell in uh, Japan. Uh, the older stuff, there's still a seven-year-old Virgin Bourbon for those folks who are listening in Alabama mm -hmm. and Mississippi and North Carolina. And Kansas, I believe. There's some seven-year-old 101. Little secret out there for, mm -hmm. for people. And it's your all's really version know. of the six-year-old yes. bottle and bomb. Yes, it it's is. It's your all's version of the six-year-old 90. It's your all's version of that. So, you know, these little regional brands are gems. And just because they're on the bottom shelf doesn't mean they're not good. So, speaking of disasters mm -hmm. that happened whether it be a, a collapse or a tornado or whatever, I figure what we would do in response to that then is try something that was pre-disaster or pre-fire. Pre-fire. <laughs> pre-fire. From the Heaven Hill Distillery. <laughs> awesome. So this is a pre-fire Heaven Hill bottled and bond. Which probably this 15-year was. Very likely, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, you now know. which it, one is this? Is this a... Um, uh, this is just the, the six-year bottle and bottle. Oh, that's the six-year bottle and bottle. Yeah. Awesome. Um, which uh, was my... DSP my KY31. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. So there was only one number on there, There's probably, one. because the bottling plant was there, too. There's only one number so on there. So here you go. <laughs> we're learning. Uh, i got to finish this 15 years, so hold on. We put, oh, I, okay. Put it off to the side, or go ahead and try it, or there you go. We'll go for the Glen Karen. Sure. Probably what uh, six dollars when it was <laughs> when it was originally bought. Yeah, I don't want to tell you what I um, actually purchased it for, uh. then, but um, this. Well, thank was, you for uh, sharing. You know, th this was uh, something that always kind of escaped me, whether it be because you know there was the legendary taste profile, or just the fact that it carried the clout of being pre-fire. This was just something that always eluded me. Mm -hmm. And when I finally got it, I went, oh, I'm going to save this mm -hmm. for something special. And so I sat about 
about where I am now when we moved into our house mm-hmm. the very first night when we fully moved in. This was my celebratory pour. Oh, that's awesome. Fresh crack um, on it. So this has really only been open for a couple of months. Oh, so um, uh, we should still give it a little, little so. opening time then. You know, we, we use a different smell. We use that phrase, dusty funk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a thing. Now, let's keep in mind, they're Vendome stills. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was before. Right. Is now. Mm-hmm. But there, there had to have been some kind of differentiation in process, right? Like whether they cleaned out the pipes more or mm-hmm. season. No? I wouldn't say that. Cause that you're you're still putting caustic through, you're still, you know we only we only, we uh, Heaven Hill Parker was pretty adamant about only being down, never being down. You know we we were the only, only uh, distilleries that made every month of the year. Right. A lot of people closed down for two months, usually in the summertime, because that's when the that's when the the lakes went, uh, the lake water was too warm, and you couldn't. Um, there was a lot of things happening. You didn't make a whole lot of whiskey in the summertime because of the temperatures uh, and also the the, the um, lake and the stream uh, uh, you know, that rises and falls, you know, it's, right. it's less water. So usually, but we were one of the few that, that made every, that we, they advertised that back in the day. Only distillery that produces 12 months of the year. Huh. You got to have a pretty, pretty uh, reliable water source to do that and that kind of stuff. But and a pretty reliable. System so with Parker, too. so I asked this question too. I'm 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 being kind of a jerk, but the uh, <laughs> but the uh, uh, so I asked Parker this too, and he said, "Let's not forget, Bernie. Corn was different back then." Sure. And he goes, "It's all about the corn." Right? Interesting. So he says that he thinks he said and told me that he thought that uh, you know modern corn's different than corn from 1970s. Okay. That is such an mm-hmm. interesting point. So let's not forget that, okay? You also have in back, and I don't when we change. Most people changed in the, when the computers came around. So when computers came around, and that let's not also forget that we were distilling to 107. So now we distill to 138. Mm-hmm. So then we were distilling to 107. That's a big difference. Yeah. Uh, of course, people say, "Why don't you just do that now?" I love when people just. <laughs> blurt stuff out and for no reason other than you just said something and they just knee jerk and say, why don't you just do that now? Make everything 107 like it used to be. Cause that's going to be rare. Well, people seem to go nuts over that 144, 146, you know, uh, you know, uh, Elijah Craig barrel proof. And they, like that, they like the George, George stag. They like all that kind of stuff. They, they like the, they, the, you know, you would have none of that. If you, if you distilled to 107 and entered in the barrel at 107, it would never get that high. Right. Right. So let's not forget that, okay? <laughs> so, but this was different back then. You used to come off the still at 107, go on the barrel at 107, sometimes a little bit lower. Sure. That's where your 101, 103, and 107s are barrel proofs of the, of the early days. Right. So, and that when that old granddad 114 came out, that was entered at 116. I talked to the guy who gauged it at 116 and put it in the barrel because they gauged it higher to put it in the barrel higher so that they would get, that was one of the first original barrel proofs. That was way before Booker's. Right. You know? And when, you know, when, the, when Beam acquired the national distillers and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, that, that was a chance for Booker to up the game, I think. I don't know. Um, I, I, I doubt that was in his, 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 uh, his thing, but 
what Booker was going for was saying, uh, I want to do it like it was done 150 years ago, where you bought it out of the barrel, right? And so it just happened to be they we, we started filling barrels at 120. It used to be a law. You couldn't put it over I, I, I make 110 or 115. Right. Then they allowed you to put it in at 125 and stayed there for a while. So it used to be, a, a, a you know, that number has changed over the years. So, um, you know, now that's benefited us all when it comes to these high barrel proofs. But, you know, Booker's was a, what, when I started with the company in 2005, it was under 10,000 cases. Right. No one was buying Booker's. No, I mean, 8,000 cases worth or whatever it was. Sure. Now it's a big brand and people are like, well, we love, but, you know, and Booker's yeah. has always been great. Right. But people were not wanting old and strong. Mm -hmm. and, it, and now what do people want? Old and, and strong, strong right? <laughs> and that's why we've cut cut back with some of the offerings we, we have for the uh, Asian market and different markets. But we still don't want to turn our backs on them because they they got us through the tough times. Exactly. And nobody else was buying it. Nobody, you had to buy a telephone shaped like a bottle. <laughs> they were buying it on purpose, right? You right. can't just give a middle finger to those people, and you got You gotta you gotta make everybody happy. It's a big world. Have you have you seen that? Um, on, on, kind of on the topic of respecting the heritage of um bourbon drinkers too tururkey released a new decanter last week i didn't i didn't see a that, new a new gift shop decanter oh nice yeah mm. um I think the day that it came out there were only you know twenty of them that's awesome but they've had some great decanters over the years they and, have and um and great you know but everybody and I'm sure it's special whiskey that's inside of it too cannot speak to that uh -huh, yeah um but, but I know, hope so. Hey, you know. That being said, special whiskey, though. Yeah, this is pretty damn good. <laughs> this has some of that mintiness in it. It does. It just does. a little bit. Uh -huh. A, a um, whisper. whisper. A little whisper of marzipan, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know what, though? You say that, and I do kind <laughs> of, I, I, I taste a little bit of an almondy mm -hmm. note to it, I would, I would say, though. Um, that's really good stuff. And you can tell that's all whiskey. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, that funk and that musk. Mm -hmm. But um, let's not forget what Parker said. It's the corn and the process, too. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So you, speaking of the process, too, you wanted to bring up later on the open rick houses. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure that I, I give you time to talk about, you know, the way that Heaven Hills whiskey is aged, too. Well, it's not just aging; it's 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 a whole house style. So what I've been talking and preaching right. uh, last right. few last few months and going over is house styles, because again, we're all we're all bound by all these restrictions and these laws. So we're basically making the same thing. Uh, Vendome makes a lot of the stills, so we're using a lot of the same stills. Um, but um, so house style has a lot to do with it. So uh, let's look. At, uh, when I turned when I turned to come here to your house. Tonight, right off onto Paris, there was a little little dive joint that had yes. Budweiser thing. I, I, yes. I never said, what is that place, first of all? Uh, it's called, <laughs> oh, I can't remember what it's called, but the best thing about that little that little dive bar is that they have happy hour from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. every God day. God bless them. And it's mm -hmm. like dollar Bud Lights mm -hmm. or something ridiculous. Is it a full like bar? The, they have whiskey and everything, too? I've not been in there, no, and no. I think that I'm oh not God, supposed to go. we got to go sometime. Okay, we gotta do some. sure. All right. So anyway. Look, so anyway, Bernie, next time you're in, we'll so go. Okay. So anyway, house style. Yes. Uh, you've got Motel 6, and, <laughs> right? And then you've got St. Regis, right? Or the Four Seasons. Sure. They're both hotels. Yes. Yeah. 
but you know they're they're different. You know they have different house styles. You know you have uh, as Tom Bodet says it all looks the same with your eyes closed, right? At, at Motel Six, um, and if you're a if you're a serial killer on the run, you all you need is a place to stay, right? And and, and then off the next morning. But we've all stayed. I've stayed at Motel Sixes. Not ashamed about them, right? You know they they have their purpose. Uh, they have uh, sometimes you you just need to need a couple hours of sleep and off you go, right? Uh, then you're on vacation. You want to be treated. You want to you want to stay at someplace nicer and it has a different style. You have a spa in it, maybe has a, has a couple restaurants in it that might be you know a, a different level of service than than, than you would uh, go to. Uh, so there's different styles and there's different amenities that you would have. That's a style, right? You have um, a dive bar. We know know what you're gonna get in a dive bar. You're gonna get a good pour. You're gonna get you know. A, Cheap, cheap drink prices. Nickel shots. And sit there, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, you're going to be able to, you know, it's going to maybe have a jukebox. Maybe it's going to the, the uh, whatever. But it's not a lot. It's not going to be a live band. You know, <laughs> there might be a pool table. But uh, you know what you're going to get at a dive bar. And then you have, uh, you know, a full service in, a, you know, the Brandy Library in New York City. Right. Which, you know, has, you know, uh, nothing but eight spirits. On, instead of it's called library, but it's a library of spirits. Uh, you get a two-ounce pour. They bring you the bottle. They have a spirit sommelier that tells you and brings you the bottle. Said so this is an old Fitzgerald, eleven-year-old. It's made from Heaven Hill Distilleries out of Barstown, Kentucky, in Louisville, Kentucky. This is bottle and bond, which is a set of restrictions. And if you have any questions on that, I can answer them. Uh, so you know, it, it, it's a whole nother level of service, and it's and it's great. Same, same, same deal. Uh, when it comes to making whiskey, you have house styles. Maker's Mark has a house style, right? Um, they make one thing at Maker's Mark. Yes. They make one recipe. So they don't make anything but one thing. So it's 70% corn, uh, uh, 16% um, uh, wheat, and 14% malted barley. Right. They put it in their uh, number three and a half char, whatever, they, uh, whatever level of chars they use. They, they put them in their open rick uh, warehouses. They uh, do rotate them though because they don't want they they're making only one thing so they want they want to have the most most uh, consistent flavors they can so it spends about two and a half years at the top they move it to the bottom the middle stays about the same because that kind of stays the same uh, and so they rotate them around they want everything to taste the same even their forty six which is a finish it's only a couple months finish right. is the same maker's mark and of course the cast strength is the same cast strength so they're making one thing right but they so they do rotating and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they go for some further uh, hand-done things where they hand-cut labels. They hand-dip bottles. They were one of the first people to do kind of hand-done stuff and make that kind of a thing, which a lot of us do now today. They kind of helped uh, in the hard times. They kind of helped um, uh, the industry kind of stick around. And I remember their bill. You remember the billboards back in the 80s? Is that, you're not that old. I'm not um, that old. But, but I do uh, love their advertising. Their advertising used to say, tastes expensive and is because <laughs> you paid Fair for those enough. things you yeah. paid for those things right okay? and so it is a house style they're premium you're paying for things because we're doing things different than just b- putting it through a bottling line we're right. doing things and just buying labels and having a machine put it on okay we are rotating okay. barrel we're doing we're doing that it's a house style yeah four roses another good house style you know when they acquired the brand they were a Seagram's house. Yes. And so they made blended whiskeys. Mm-hmm. So they had single or story, light whiskeys. single story, <laughs> light whiskeys. And, and they had single story warehouses. 
what are you going to do? You're not going to get the aging that these open rick, seven-story, nine-story rick houses are going to get. Right. What are you going to do to make the flavor different? Because you're not going to get it in aging, right? Because mm-hmm. aging is 50% of the flavor plus. So right. what are you going to get? So what Jimmy Relich did there was genius. He knew the same was So they knew they had five different yeast strains. Yeast strain accounts for 10% of the final flavor profile when you look at a, a thing. And also has different recipes. They used two different bourbon recipes, five different yeast strains. And of course, they didn't get those, as much of a of aging difference, but you got the differences. And now it took years right. to get the customers to understand that. But now people, oh, I got the, and they, they know the letters. They know everything. It's amazing. It took a long, ask Al. It took a long yeah. time to get the customers to know what that was. Absolutely. It's a unique house style, and it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. Heaven Hills house style. Yeah. We don't just make one thing. We make six different recipes at, at Heaven Hills. <laughs> we make six. We got corn whiskey with mellow corn. Right? We've got uh, bourbon wheat with Larceny and Old Fitzgerald. We've got the bourbon rye with our with our main line of bourbons, which is Old Fitzgerald and Evan Williams and Elijah Craig and uh, Old, uh, Henry McKenna and Fighting Cock and all that stuff. Uh, then... We have rye whiskey, which is uh, Rittenhouse rye and Pikesville rye. We have Bernheim wheat, which is a wheat whiskey, not a bourbon wheat, but a wheat whiskey. Right. And then we have a malt whiskey, which we had with uh, Parker's a few years ago. And we have a few other experimental things going on, but mm-hmm. we have six recipes. So that makes us different. We have a different house style for that. Then we use open rick warehouses, and we use different parts of the warehouses to, uh, to, to age it in and, and do that stuff in. And then we have a variety of warehouses to pull all of these whiskeys from to uh, make it uh, different. We then do something that's really cool, as other people do things that are really cool. We, because we're a family-owned, we don't have to bring it out as fast as our competitors do. So we keep it in the barrel just a little bit longer than our main competitors. And then we put it in the bottle just a little bit stronger. So most everybody else that starts at 80 proof, and most of our whiskey start at 86 and then quickly go to 90 and above. Most people have four-year-old whiskeys as their first offerings. Our Evan Williams Black Label Extra Age starts at five, and we go up from there. So longer stronger and then because we don't spend the money on the advertising we charge a little bit less than most people and there's nothing wrong with that either well it shoots us in the foot a lot because a lot of people say how good can it be for 12 dollars a bottle or how can it get how good can it be and it can be damn good really daggone good so <laughs> we'll live with that part because i'm here to tell you that that six-year-old 90 proof or that evan williams five-year-old uh, uh, 86 proof can be pretty damn good but that's our house style. Sometimes our bottles are exactly the same. Sure. You know, but sure. that's how we keep it low price. Yeah. You know, but some of our bottles, and we've really learned over the past few years, when you really got to make it premium, that old Fitzgerald, we've done it. And we and that John E. Fitzgerald package, you know, that was an expensive bottle. That was an expensive package with that box around it and that kind of stuff. Uh, we have, I mean... I think our owners and our and our brand team and our folks need a little bit of credit. We've stepped it up when we need to step it up. 
So I, I brought something out that you guys actually don't produce. And it's a four grain bourbon. And this was just kind of something that I was messing around with one day. It was a one-to-one blend of Elijah Craig small batch and oh, larceny. Okay. Um, so you put Elijah Craig and larceny together. Yes. Oh, and, nice. and let them mingle. I mean, this has been, gosh, sitting together since probably October. Now, there was a Parker's last... release of, of uh, a mingle right. of, of blends on that before. Yeah. Uh, not a blend, but a mingle. But it... Well, this this is, I mean, like I said, this is just something that. I just say that because there's going to be somebody listening going, oh, you did that already. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, th- this has never been done that, right. I, that I've tasted before. And and my thought was, you know, this could be a, a pretty viable option should Heaven Hill want to go into that. Into that, well, but you know, no, that's what a lot of those Parker's releases are for to see. You know, most of those will not be, you know, on the open market. You know, Parker's is a special exactly for, for a special person, but yeah, you're absolutely right. We could do this. That is different. That is much, that's very different. Yeah, I've not tasted this before. <laughs> that was kind of the point behind it, yeah. there, Bernie. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, it, you know, I was thinking with it, you know, it may not be exactly the way that it could be, but, you know, some of the bones might be there too. And, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to do a sales pitch to you. I just thought, oh, this would hey, be something cool for know, him to also have. I learned a long time ago. Anytime I brought something up, it's already resting in the warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sure it is too. It's just Evan Hill. I mean, we're waiting for you. There's only so many uh, things you can do, right? Right. We're waiting for the, the yeah, wide yeah. release of the four grain yeah. blend uh, yeah. from from Heaven Hill. And you know, we've come up with stuff, and, uh, and a lot of people will look at things and go, "How come it's only in duty free only?" Well, that's probably the experiment that sure we decided, not us, but I'm to other distilleries too. Uh, decided, um, you know, it's not going to make it to the. We're not going to make enough. And there's not enough of, of a market for it for the national market. So whatever barrels we have, we're just going to put it in the duty-free or whatever because sure. that's a finite number and it'll, it'll sell through. It'll be fine. Is we Again, we're in the bourbon business, not the bourbon charity. We're not going to hang on to barrels or not do anything. If we, you know, we have three main brands that we need to key on to be successful in order for us to continue being Heaven Hill and a successful um, American Whiskey and Bourbon Company, and that is Evan Williams Black Label, yes, Extra Age, five-year-old 86-proof product. I only know that because you say it's five years. There's no age statement on it. I really didn't know that it was we five years. We sell barrel futures. We're the only people that still sells barrel futures to our distributors. So, And those contracts are for five years. I'm telling something out of school here, which I maybe shouldn't tell, but that's okay. So throughout the country... Every one of our distributors buys thousands and thousands of barrels five years in the future right. for Evan Williams. And that's why it's 86 proof and five years old. And I know it's five years old because those contracts are for five years. <laughs> so Evan Williams, and that's why it's $12, uh, $7.50. That's why it's uh, the number two selling bourbon in the world without being in like 8% of bars and restaurants in the world because it's only in liquor stores you know, for the most part. 
And there's a reason that it outsells Bullet and Wild Turkey and and uh, Maker's Mark and all those others is because it's a damn good bourbon at a damn good price. Yeah. And uh, our goal is not to be the number two selling bourbon in the world. If one of those other brands takes us over because they got the pressure and they, they might pass us, that's fine. It's okay. But how did we become the number two selling bourbon? It's because of barrel futures and it's damn good whiskey and damn good price. So, and then it's Elijah Craig and Larceny. So uh, Evan Williams, Elijah Craig and Larceny are our three main brands that we must sell. That we've decided that that's that. I mean, the consumer also decided because Elijah Craig was 12,000 right. cases in 2012. It's mm -hmm. now 200,000 cases. Yep. We didn't decide that. The consumer decided that. Right. So um, those are three. If you want to help heaven hell out and, and have some great other great bourbons and, and whiskeys in the world come out, I'm telling you right now, buy more of those three brands. That's what we need from you. You know, we need your support. We appreciate your support. You're going to buy our stuff anyway. We got great stuff. But here is this Henry McKenna you just handed me. Yes, I did. I just oh, hand you a. Uh, that, uh, nobody cares about awards till you win them. <laughs> so last year, nobody knew about Henry McKenna, and all of a sudden it won Bourbon of the World. And Fred Minnick had thanks, to go. Fred. Hey, man, I'm afraid to tell you this just won Bourbon of the World, and it did. And then this happened. And here it is. So I, I like that we just had that little <laughs> small sample of the the four grain blend. Yeah. <coughs> and that was unique. It, yeah, and and cuz it kind of it helped me kind of reset so that I could appreciate the, at at the very least the nose on this one a little bit more. This is still one of the most exciting full-bodied noses mm -hmm. of bourbon that I've ever experienced. And since we I won mean, that award, it has not gone up in price that much. No, it really hasn't. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it, stores doing what they will, you know, with... Oh, I've seen it for sale for 60 bucks. I, I've seen it for 50 so yeah. we're in the same ballpark. But, you know, I, I think that it's commendable to Heaven Hill as a company, as a brand, that you don't... You, you win an award and you don't get a big head about it, too. You know, sure, you may promote it a little bit, but it, you're not going, oh... We have to do a 200% price oh. increase. No, we don't do that things that way. Yeah. I mean, to take things up a dollar, two dollars, five dollars is a, is a lot of talks, a lot of meetings, family members involved. Right. I mean, you know, again, we're in the bourbon business, not the bourbon charity. Well, we have, we do, we have been giving away a lot of whiskey at a very, very inexpensive price for a long time. That's going to change on some levels on some sure. planes. And I think but it we're has also to. probably going to be some of the most uh, affordable whiskeys in the world. Mm -hmm. The way the way Max Shapiro described it to me, and I said, Max, we can make a hell of a lot more money on this Heaven Hill six-year-old uh, ninety proof or whatever, mm -hmm. or, any, or even Evan Williams. Yeah. And he looked at me and said, Bernie, I know I can. He says, but you don't understand. I want to be family-owned and operated. A hundred years from now, not just today. Yeah, and that's a mindset that goes beyond his death and his next generation that many people don't have. That he has a vision that he doesn't have to hit these artificial numbers. Certainly, some of our prices are going to go up on certain many of our brands that the that the that the uh, market 
dictates and some of our offerings dictate. So yes, if you hear this two years from now, some of our prices might have gone up. And they're not going to go up to, to, to where some of our competitors do. You know, we have some non-producer sure. competitors that charge, you know, $800 for a 10-year-old 10 10-year-old 10 bourbon. Or $3,800. Conversation for a different time. $3,800 for a 15-year-old bourbon. That, yeah. you know, we don't do that. And we yeah. don't have to do that. And it's part of our part of our strength is that we have a lot of whiskey. Yeah. That we can get a lot out. Of good whiskey. You know, there's an 11 year old bottle of bond, old Fitzgerald. One of the one of the one of the names of the crown jewels of whiskey. That's pretty affordable. Yeah. And I mean, e- even at the the 80 proof for old Fitz, mm-hmm. it's still a very good product. I mean, you know, the prime. You know, it it people people have this notion that. Lower proof is not as good because it, you know, maybe too watered down or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think that, and and really do believe that there are some really good quality lower proof whiskeys out there. Jim Beam sure. White Label has held up so well for me. Number one selling bourbon in the world, and and for good reason too. We're not going to catch them with Emma Williams, and thank God that's not our goal, right? Because we're two million cases. There's six or seven million cases. But but at putting them up side by side, it doesn't matter though. It doesn't that's matter. Fine. Every I mean, it's, that's great it's whiskey. Good whiskey. We have great whiskey. Yes. I mean. Yes. I will. I will. Here's a good blind tasting. I will. I will, I will uh, challenge your consumers. Uh, don't don't you know to do your, uh, You can't do a blind tasting by yourself because that you know what they are. You know. But, um, you know, with your friends, put some Evan Williams extra-aged black label, just our, just our number two selling bourbon in the world, just the regular Evan Williams. Put it up against a Woodford Reserve. Sure. Put it up against a Buffalo Trace. It doesn't matter. They're, those are all great whiskeys, too. Yes. And it doesn't mean we're better than them or they're better than us because, you know, you're, 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 you're going to sometimes say that they're better than, you know, I picked this one. But it's going to show how we stand up. Exactly. And that's all you want to really do with a blind tasting. No one is better than anyone. I mean, most every, every master, now master sellers might say mine's a little bit better because they have a little bit of, they have a little <laughs> bit more of a pride <laughs> thing going on there. Okay. But there's also respect. I don't think there's a lot of bad whiskey out there. You know, I haven't tasted many. I have not tasted many bad whiskeys. I've tasted some young whiskeys. I've tasted some whiskeys that have been brought out on the market way before they hit. But that's that's a bourbon business, bourbon charity thing. Yeah, they need to make. They got their houses mortgaged. They got things going on. But there's not a lot of bad whiskey out there. But just because a whiskey is twelve or thirteen dollars a bottle, there's a brand we make called Evan Williams seventeen eighty three. That's a sleeper. Eighteen bucks a bottle. And trust me. <laughs> We don't know what to do with it. <laughs> it's you, just there. It's money. It's income. And we don't know what to do with this brand. And it's a phenomenal brand. And if you if you don't pick a bottle of that next time you go to a, a store, kick yourself because it's phenomenal. That might be my next purchase. I'm going to be really <laughs> honest with you. So one of, the, uh, one of the reasons that I even know it exists is my friend Sarah from It's Bourbon Night, mm-hmm. who preaches 
the gospel of Evan Williams, 1783. Um, it's, it's, it's one of my house bourbons. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there, there is, I, we use this phrase and I think that it sounds a little negative, but there is nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you, we have another brand that is five times whiskey of the world, which, which is still under $30 a bottle. Which was if when you went to Parker Beam's house, that's what you got, and people have forgotten about it. And and, and again, full disclosure, as a company, we don't know what to do with it. Sure, Evan Williams Single Barrel, phenomenal. That is a great, unbelievable whiskey. whiskey. Really, is fantastic. You know, because we we have a lot of whiskeys, and we have a lot of things going on, and we have we have to make money. Yeah. We have pressures. We're building. We're, building, we're, we're We are building a five point five million dollar warehouse every six months. <laughs> we have put a hundred million dollars in our infrastructure of our distillery. We have a lot of things going on. You know, we're distracted a little bit. Sure. And those are two whiskeys we're distracted by, and you all can benefit from that if you go out <laughs> and buy this stuff. I'm being honest with you. No, I totally agree with you, and and and, and know what you're saying because, you know, at we. We as consumers, and I, I think I'm even, you know, I, I'm privy to the knowledge of, you know, what is good bourbon for the price? What is, you know, value bourbon for the price and everything? But I still will get caught up in, well, it's $30, it's $40, the bottle looks pretty. The bottle looks really nice. <laughs> the label is gorgeous. I get caught up in that. Sure. And I go, well, I've, I've got to have a bottle of that. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, you know, there, we, we, we talk about this from time to time. There is such a level of bottom shelf shaming mm-hmm. or bottom shelf negativity that, and, and not that, Evan Williams 1783 or the black label is bottom shelf by any means. I've seen it down there. Well, sure. But, you know, people associate it with, you know, oh, I would rather have this over that. So let me say this about that. Go ahead. Yeah. So people always want to grab gold dust. Mm -hmm. It's up on the top shelf. It's expensive. It's not there very long. They're unicorns, right? Because you, you you hear about them, but you never see Quote them. Quote, unquote. Um, so you, you, you grab gold dust. You know what? You should always grab gold dust. But you step on bricks of gold to grab the gold dust Amen. on the top shelf. Yep. And you should always grab gold dust. But don't forget to pick the brick up. Because everybody just leaves the brick. <laughs> but you should pick the brick up. Because there's these phenomenal brands down there. There's the 1783s. There's the Heaven Hill Six Year Ninety. Yep. Right. There's all these brands down there that you need to put the gold, the bag of gold dust in your cart, but pick the gold brick up, and then everybody needs an everyday go to. Everybody needs something. Exactly. You know, you know, because those gold dusts are there and they're gone, and that bottle's gone. And what are you going to serve your guests to come in every day? Hey, the gold brick, because it's pretty <laughs> damn good too. I mean that that that's there's why little, I'm. There's my little sermon. <laughs> well, I mean I'm. 
that's why I'm more willing to go and buy a handle of TW Samuels or JTS. Which is Brown. only available in a few markets. So when you have people come in for 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 Keeneland or Derby or whatever, or you know, for, you, know you just go, I never heard of T.W. Uh, uh, Samuels. You can say, hey, this and is a pretty cool brand that's only available in a couple markets. This is more rare than a lot of, <laughs> you know, gold dust. Well, what's what's fun about that for me too is not just that I can say you probably wouldn't have that, but also. The, the carried heritage that goes with it, too. I mean, it just by name has this relationship to one of the biggest selling brands in the world, Maker's Mark. Mm-hmm. So for people to go, oh, this is similar to or related to what Maker's Mark was, or it, it was, was conceived as, mm-hmm. you know... It, Th- there are so few people who can appreciate that or recognize that. Yeah. And the fact that I'm able to drive 15 minutes, mm-hmm. 10 minutes, whatever, well, to go pick up a bottle. Get out of your neighborhood. Uh, well, <laughs> there's a lot of stop signs in my neighborhood. I'm going to be really honest with you. But the, the fact that I can drive a short distance and go and pick up a bottle, you know, I, I consider... A, uh, a good fortune. Hey, you know we're lucky in Kentucky because we have a lot of those gold gold bricks, and mm-hmm. we have a lot of those brands that are regional or local that only are sold here, or sold in here in a couple markets, and that's why it's so cool that so many people from around the country and the world visit Lexington or Northern Kentucky right. or Louisville, and they go to the smart ones go to the liquor stores and look down. Everybody mm-hmm. looks up, you have to look down. And there that's you where you look down. And you know what? I find that they do. They buy them by the case. Yes. Because they know that they're yes. going to go back to Wisconsin or Minnesota <laughs> or New York, and they're not going to be down. They're not 15 minutes away. Right. And they're going to buy it by the case. And what we glance over, and more people in Kentucky glance over them than those people do, you know, we need to stop glancing over those. And, you know, they're going to go away one day because yeah. we all are in the bourbon business, not the bourbon charity. And we're all going to we're going to make more money if we sell them nationally yeah. at a different age and a different price. And we're more reluctant to do it in, at, at uh, Heaven Hill just because we have a lot more whiskey. Sure. And that's guaranteed money. And Max will always say, what, you going to guarantee me I'm going to make that money if I turn it into something else? And whatever, we can't guarantee him that. <laughs> and he is a good he is a good speed bump on that because we can't just need jerk react and of course he's protecting his family and his vision and his view of the future which right. is Bernie I want to be family owned and operated a hundred years from now not just today and I can't just take take advantage of this bourbon Renaissance because we don't need money right now we have money right now right now. I'm all about making money. Let's not make a. Let's not say you know because <laughs> a business is about making money, right? Sure. But we need to be smart about it, and we don't need to be like we don't need a lot of mo- artificial money. We we need real money, right. not artificial money, if that makes sense. So, w- one last question before we uh, move on from the conversation <laughs> for tonight, but 
how do you feel like you fit into the the family that is Heaven Hill? I mean, I you were kind of in a way adopted into it, but you know what do, what do you feel like your role is in the family of Heaven Hill? Well, that's pretty easy. I mean, the the family makes me very welcome, and they they um, made it made me very welcome immediately. Yeah. They also said, we need you. Um, there was a very capable person who had this job before myself at Heaven Hill. He moved into a different position who's still here at the company and uh, has his dream job of uh, uh, what he's doing. But uh, because the travel, travel uh, uh, demands were more than he could put for his young family, uh, he had to change his role. And when I came in, uh, it was I was blown away by the welcome and the reception I got. But but um, when you work at Heaven Hill, um, let me uh, gosh, um, I worked at only one other company, and it was a phenomenal company. Jim Beam is a phenomenal company. It, uh, it's a, it's great. They make great whi- they make incredible whiskeys. Yes. Um, it's a multinational corporation, which is now even more international. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of the because of because of where they're based out of in Japan and all that kind of stuff, and people say, uh, you know, hey, you should look at that as a. There's a lot of company companies from whatever. But anyway, um, when if the if the president of the company called you on the phone, your mother's dead, right? Something's wrong, right? Right. Um, Max will pop into my office. How's it going? He's right. the president and the owner of our company. Hey, um, you know what's happening out there? He, he wants to know yeah. what's happening in bars and restaurants and liquor stores around the country and the world. He knows I'm out there doing it. What's going? He, I mean, uh, most people who come into a multinational comp- company as a president or whatever, they're there for a handful of years. They're there and they're gone. Most brand managers that come in as brand managers of a of a iconic brand like Jim Beam or Evan Williams, they're there and, and they're gone. Right. Um, they're there to get a bigger job and everything. The dynamic at Heaven Hill is, if you're the brand manager of a whiskey brand at Heaven Hill, your boss is an owner. That's 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 Kate Latz. She's the vice president of marketing. Yeah. Your boss is an owner, so you're not getting promoted. <laughs> ever <laughs> so you've kind of got to be happy where you're at sure which means you're going to stay at that job for a very long time right um she's been here 20 years yeah right? so obviously the family has to make her happy monetarily uh by the excitement of what it becomes because that that brand manager is probably going to make a little bit more decisions than a brand manager at Jim Beam or someplace else that is a multinational sure. corporation. They're only handling one brand. She's having all her whiskeys. So you got to make them happy, excited, involved in that thing. And, you know, hell, I helped launch our, our – we didn't uh, talk about it tonight or talk, but a, a Sacred Bond. Mm-hmm. I happened to notice that uh, a bottle and bond brandy was out there called Laird's Apple Brandy. And I was like, how come we make a brandy called Christian Brothers? How come we don't have a bottle and brandy? A year later, it's out. I graduated from University of Kentucky with a 2.6 cumulative <laughs> in marketing, and I launched a national brandy brand. 
That would have never happened to any other company except a family-owned company because the family goes, hey, how come? Yeah, how come? Right? I mean, good Lord. It's amazing. So working for a family-owned company, is it, the dynamic, it doesn't work for everybody because i got to be happy. I'm not going anywhere. i got to be happy at this job. Sure. I'm not going to get promoted in any other job. This is it. But that's fine with me because I love what I do. I love the family I work for. I got um, Andy, uh, Max's son, emailed the other day, haven't seen you all year. That's ridiculous, <laughs> he says in the email. We need to fix this. Let's get uh, when, when uh, Jack, who's on my team, who had just hired somebody out in uh, California, Jack Choate. He's out in California. Uh, Jack's an amazing guy. Um, he's learning a lot, too, uh, hopefully for me and everybody else in our company and our owners. But, you know, I people get an email from their owners and say, let's go out to dinner. I haven't seen you in a while. Not many. That doesn't happen. That doesn't no. happen with a big vice president of a company or an owner. Like, hey, what a shame on us. We haven't seen each right. other for a while. Right. That's what happens at Heaven Hill, and that's what happens at a, at a, at a we still feel as a small family-owned company, which is now a pretty large international company. That's so fantastic. pretty cool. That's absolutely that's amazing. Cool. Well, Bernie, I think that about does it for the the conversation portion, at least, of the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing not just your experience, but your wealth of knowledge with us. Um, Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Bernie. Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing your whiskey with me. And And thank you you for sharing yours with me as well. Man, it's been incredible. We do have a little bit to finish up with, though. Uh, We typically do, um, at least when we're in the, the bourbon studio, um, a segment where we try to recommend people uh, some things that they should check out, which is called Tips and Bits. Okay. So uh, what kind of recommendations, what tips and bits do you have for the listeners of This Is My Bourbon podcast this week? Well, tips and bits would be the gold bricks. Okay? <laughs> so find out, um, I mean, this broadcasts everywhere, all over the country, right? Yes, I mean, it's all really, over the world. It's all over the world. So, yes, it's World Wide Web. Um, when you come to Kentucky, find out what's only available in this area or this region yes. or this state. Not just our, our company, but we, uh, several of our distilleries, we only have brands that only here. You can be a hero when you go back to your home and you have some of these bottles. And some of these bottles only cost $8, 10 $12 a bottle. But, you know, I mean, uh, uh, they're, they're rarer than Pappy Van Winkle. They sell less than Pappy Van Winkle. Yes, some of them only cost eight bucks, but there's those gold bricks that you stand on that you reach for gold dust. So that's my tips and bits is to look for those brands like uh, the ones we, uh, you know, you have to ask. And people at the liquor stores know them. So find those out, um, get them. Those are the biggest. That's the biggest tips and bits and I get tip, tips and bits. Tips. And <laughs> tips and bits. You've had a few whiskeys. Tips and good, bits man. I can give you <laughs> is find that from every distillery. Go home and you'll be a hero. <laughs> I don't know if I can beat that, man. That's that the biggest one. Or even even it's the biggest one compared to it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I I will echo that. You know, don't bottom shelf shame. It, it's so easy to fall into the pattern of 
oh, I would rather buy something that has a higher price tag or even a, a, a you know more clout or whatever. But you know what? You are never going to know what it is that you actually like until you try it. And, you know, it, it, I, I didn't know what I liked until I really spent the time with Heaven Hill. And I really spent the time with the products that you all produce and understood that there is so much more to whiskey, so much more to bourbon than an age, than a mash bill, than, you know, what the, the price point. And it's all about your experience with it. So even if somebody goes... I don't really know about that bottle. Still go and try it. It will totally be worth your while. And you won't be out a lot of money. Exactly. exactly. But you'll be surprised yeah. and amazed. So don't bottom shelf shame. <laughs> That's my tip or my bit. I'm not really sure yet. There you go. Um, <laughs> Bernie, again, thank you so much for being Bernie, thank on. Thank you. Really uh, appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your whiskey with me. Absolutely. I, 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 I look upon that as a total honor because a lot of those bottles are not that full. And And... Same with you as well, you know. I I don't, I mean I I don't normally get to drink whiskey that is only available in Japan. In Japan. But <laughs> man, what a what a treat this was. Um, if people want to follow up with you on social media, where can they do that? Um, I'm Bernie Lovers on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. I also have my own website, which is called whiskeyprof.com, and you can look at all things Heaven Hill which is an, all of our grain bills, amazing stuff, so in-depth. I think you know, the, not any other major distillery releases all its grain bills and its recipes, and it's uh, where we age things and everything. It's at heavenhilldistillery.com. It's long, but you can type it in. you got fingers. Heavenhilldistillery.com. <laughs> and if you don't... <laughs> you got Siri. You can just talk Sorry. it in. You can just talk it in. <laughs> Say it. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I am at pritter1492 on social media. If you would like to follow me personally, and then if you would like to follow the show on all social media platforms, we are at MyBourbonPod. Bourbonshop.threadless.com is where you can find all of our apparel and merch. Um, I think we might have a, uh, a little promo going on soon. Um, for 15% off store-wide, so be sure to check out that. Um, Patreon.com slash podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You become a patron of the show. That really does help us keep going, keeps the lights on in the uh, old uh, old bourbon studio here uh, that uh, Bernie's hanging out with me in. Um, There's two lights in here, so... Yes, well, hopefully more soon, but... <laughs> Um, but I do like that there's a guitar in the corner. Well, thank you. Uh, there's more in the closet behind you as well, too. I'll show you those in a second. Um, by the time you're hearing this, they might be sold out. I'm not sure. But we still have some live, t- or excuse me, some tickets on sale for the very first live show of this My Bourbon podcast, the Women of Bourbon show at the Silver Dollar in Louisville. That is going to feature Peggy No Stevens, Sarah from It's Bourbon Night, and Andrea Wilson from Michter's as little as, well, not as little as, you can purchase them for $5 a pop. Um, we have very few tickets left, so please get on board with that. We're going to have a fantastic panel, a fantastic conversation. 
So if tickets aren't sold out by the time this episode comes out, definitely uh, jump on board with that. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please send them to thismybourbonshop at gmail.com. And then please give us a five-star rating review on iTunes. That really helps us out. Gets other people listening to and seeing the show. But other than that, I just don't think I can say thank you enough to Bernie for My pleasure, Bernie. And thank you so out. much for having to your lovely home and your lovely bourbon studio. Well, I'm so happy that you were here. I will see you next week, though. But until then, I'm Perry, and this is my bourbon podcast. Mm-hmm.